0: To the Oscars Death Race podcast, where we try to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies, or die trying. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Apologies for missing last week's episode. Honestly, I hadn't really had a chance to watch any movies for the Death Race at the time, uh, due to the combination of you know still getting used to my new job, uh, Valentine's Day, and my, actually my wedding anniversary last week. So, you know, why put out an episode last week if I didn't watch any movies? That said, this week we do have a pretty hefty episode, almost two ou- over two hours. Uh, we have a guest on to talk about all of the animated features, films, and sorts, and we are both animation geeks, so we just kind of went off. Um, plus, we've also got a lot of awards uh, in the last couple of weeks we kind of have to give updates on, so let's just go ahead and dive straight in, get, get straight to it. First up, as usual, let's check in on my films, my Death Race status. Um, I was able to go to the IFC Center, watch all five animated sorts, plus two bonus films. Um, if you haven't seen any sorts yet, that's actually a good way to see any of them, since they're all gonna be in theaters, if they're in the theater near you. On top of that, you know, I had already seen, you know, three of the animated films, but I had not yet seen the two streaming ones, Elemental and Nimona, so I rectified that with this past week's episode. In, t- um, in addition, I also watched To Kill a Tiger at the Quad Cinema in anticipation of the documentary episode, um, which will be next week. Um, you know, uh, with that, that puts me at 30 out of 38, 38 features, 10 out of 15 sorts, so 40 out of 53 total, which is, you know, pretty good, about 75% of the way there. That's good for 17 out of 23 categories completed and 106 out of 120 nominations accounted for. Looking at the community scoreboards as of as of writing this episode on oscarsdeathface.com, I'm at 242 out of uh, 1,080 people, um, and then 133 out of 552 people on deathfacetracking.com. Of course, as always, every week we got to shout out everyone who finished uh, on oscarzdeathrace.com. We have 55 people up from 28 two weeks ago, and then up to 42 out of uh, up from 23 last week on deathracetracking.com. Um, here are all the names of everyone who submitted. I'm going with the list of OscarDeathRace.com due to the way things work on the back end of Death Race tracking where you know if you watch another film for another race, it kind of resets where your order is. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to stick with the ones on OscarDeathRace.com. Given that there were more people uh, registered on that site, I figure I probably am uh, keeping track of everyone here. So in any case, the people since the last episode who have got- completed the Death Race are The Gooder. Lou number six, Eric from Boston, BDN 1077, Kara 816, Brian Tinsley, M. Glenn Johnson, Ben Kelly 66, JNW Songs, uh, Six Roo, Adam 10, Jeff, Tetsuo 42, Tafso, Sean Mann, uh, Ibon Zyme, Ilya Latvia, Sandwich Spy, J.H. Seymour 98, Jeral, Miss Zoe Rose, Brock Stomp, Anthony Ezra from Boston, Elijah So Wright 72, Jay Vile and Ike, Ike Uh So, congrats to all of you for finishing the death phase. Hopefully, I'll catch up with you guys soon. With that, let's quickly turn to all of the various guild awards that have been held since the last episode. First up, you know the DGA Awards. The main feature, uh, the main award for feature film, went to Oppenheimer. Uh, Chris Nolan, who is the current frontrunner, and you know he was he won over Bradley Gerwig, Yorgos Lanthimos, Alexander Payne, and Martin Scorsese. Uh, in documentary, the award went to uh, Maslev Chernoff, director of Twenty Days in Mariupol, the frontrunner in that category. Um, and then for the first time, for the first time, directed the award went to Celine Songs for Past Lives, notably over Je- Cord Jefferson for American Fiction. Moving to the uh uh artist uh the Art Directors Guild Award for production design for period film Oppenheimer took the win over fellow Oscar nominees Napoleon and Kills of the Flower Moon uh, in fantasy Poor Things took the win over the presumed front one in Barbie as well um and then uh, in contemporary it went to Salt, Saltburn over other non nominees in animated it went to Spider Verse over fellow nominees Boy in the Heron and Elemental. Uh, Alongside for production design, we also have the Set Decorators uh, of Society of America Awards. Uh, This time, period film went to Poor Things, um, since it was categorized there, over Oppenheimer, Kills of the Flower Moon, uh, Napoleon, as well as Maestro. Um, Absent Poor Things, Barbie was able to take the fantasy science fiction category. Uh, Meanwhile, Saltburn repeated in Contemporary, and Asteroid City took it for Comedy Musical. Moving to the Song Composer uh, the song composer and Lyricist Awards. Uh, for score, to a studio film Ludwig Goransson won for Oppenheimer over fellow nominees American Fiction and Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, for score for an independent film, the award went to still a Michael J. Fox movie over other non-Oscar-nominated contenders. Original song for a drama win went to the Hunger Games song Can't Catch Me Now, notably over the John Baptiste Oscar-nominated song for American Fix Symphony. Um, and then for comedy song, it went to What I Was Made From from Barbie. The soon assumed frontrunner at the oscars over i'm just ken and the fire within uh, in make from the makeup and hair guilds we had maestro barbie and saltburn being the winners here maestro took it for period character makeup uh, over fellow nominees oppenheimer and poor things um, and also maestro also took special effects makeup over fellow nominees golda and poor things uh, barbie took period uh character period slash character hair over Maestro um, and then in contemporary, contemporary um, Saltborn took both categories of makeup and hair. Uh, we also had the Visual Effects Society Awards. Um, top award for visual effects in the photoreal f- uh, feature went to the creator, whose only, who, uh, only Oscar competition in this category was Guards of the Galaxy 3. Um, the creator actually got five wins out of the night, uh, the most for any film out of seven nominations. Two of which were actually in the same category, so competing against itself. Uh, in supporting visual effects, Nayad actually took the win. Over Oscar nominee Napoleon. Um, as far as other other Oscar nominees, Godzilla got shut out, unfortunately, missing out uh, missing its only nomination, uh, which was in character animation for Godzilla. Lost it to Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Guardians also got a second win in virtual cinematography. Meanwhile, Oscar nominees Napoleon and Miss Impossible were also set out. At the Costume Designers Guild, last um, the three winners were Barbie for f- Fantasy Science Fiction, Poor Things for Period, Over, fellow Oscar nominees, Kills of the Flower Moon, and Napoleon, and Oppenheimer, and again, Saltburn won in Contemporary. Um, those are the winners of various Guild Awards. We also got uh, some nominees coming out. Now, because of the writer's Strikes, the uh, WGA Awards were delayed and still actually be airing after the Oscars, so this is a little bit less helpful in trying to figure out who will win or be nominated since you know, it can't be used as a data point. Um, you know, plus, you know, they, they've also always had weird roles, especially with, you know, some foreign films not getting in just because they weren't guild members. Um, still worth noting to see who was recognized here. Um, in Adapted, it was American Fiction, F- uh, Kills of the Flower Moon, and Oppenheimer as the crossover with the Oscars alongside Nyad and Are You There, God It's Me, Margaret. While in the original, we have Air, Barbie, who was, of course, adapted at the Oscars, May, December, The Holdovers, and Past Lives. Um, Maestro here taking the place of uh, being, be, uh, being replaced by uh, Air. Um, now, I'm going the lead somewhat with all of these Guild Awards nominations. We actually have one of the biggest precursors of the uh, awards race, which is the BAFTA ceremony, uh, BAFTAs, over this past weekend. Definitely has solidified some races and opened up others pretty well into the la- latter half of the race. Uh, Oppenheimer swept uh, with uh, in a lot of the expected categories, with seven out of third seven wins out of thirty nominations. The the most winning film of the night, one for best film, best director, best actor, best supporting actor, cinematography, editing, and score all you know things you'd expect to be in its wheelhouse. Its biggest miss was probably actually for best adapted screenplay that went to American Fiction instead. American Fiction has actually since moved into the second place on Gold Derby odds for this category now. Uh, in Best Actress, the award went to Emma Stone for Poor Things. This isn't as much of a blow to Lily Gladstone since she wasn't even nominated. Um, well, maybe the lack of nomination is a blow to her, but you know, I think also the fact that Emma Stone is in the British film I think uh, helps as well. Um, in port, uh, it's not uh, in supporting actress Divine Joy and Randolph continues her sweep with the hold over with for the for her role in the holdovers, um, original screenplay and Anami fall took the win over holdovers Maestro and Past Lives plus Barbie instead of uh, May December for the Oscar contenders. Um, uh, this has put Anami fall in the first place over the holdovers on over on Gold Derby. Uh, an animated film boring the Heron that pulled out the win over the, across the Spider-Verse, which now gives it a good case to actually be win in win contention, uh, which I've always said, but some people didn't believe. Um, between this and its Golden Globe win. Uh, best documentary went to Twenty Days in Mario Paul, as expected. Uh, Zone of Interest took Best Non-English Film. The only category contender for the Oscars is, of course, Society of Snow. Um, it also took Best Sound over Oppenheimer, Maestro, and Mission Impossible, which I think boosts its chance at the Oscars. Though um, I also took outstanding witness films, so perhaps there's some bias here. Uh, Best Costume went to Poor Things over the same Forge competing against in the Oscars. It also took uh, Best Hair and Makeup over Maestro and Oppenheimer. It also took Production Design over Barbie, which is a bit of an upset, um, as well as Killers Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer. Uh, It also was one of interest instead of Napoleon. And Poor Things finally rounded out its wins with Visual Effects, uh, which is something that's not nominated for in the Oscars, so not really any indicator here. Again, of course, Poor Things is also a British film, so there may be some bias still, but still, it helps it out there um, so yeah, and then there's one final award, so you know that's perhaps the most relevant for this week's conversation, the Annie Awards. I won't get into all the specific technical categories by, by by category by category, but in any case, despite Boring the Hero and doing well at the BAFTA, the industry uh, awarded Spider-Verse handsomely seven wins out of seven nominations, including the top prize Best Animated Feature Film. Robot Dreams got one win out of five nominations for Best Independent Feature. Uh, Nimone was able to get two wins out of nine nominations, one for writing and one for voice acting, for uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, um, and in Boy of the Heron got two wins out of a seven nominations, uh, with a win in storyboarding and a win in character animation. Meanwhile, uh, Elemental got six nominations, but no wins. Uh, also worth noting here that in the Swords category, only one Oscar nominee, War of War is Over, was nominated, and it did end up winning that category. Um, so yeah, I mean, just to kind of say the state of the race, I think most categories are pretty locked in at this point. Um, of course the SAG awards could shake things up. Um, uh, but if there are categories I think could make or break the difference, um, of what will potentially, um, you know, i when I, when I, when I launched my, uh, my Oscar, um, uh, uh, co- contest for for predicting the nominations next week. Um, you know, the, the, these are the categories I think are going to be the ones that pe- where, where people people uh, will, will define. You know, who who actually will get the higher score. I think it'll be actress between uh, Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone. Adapted screenplay between Oppenheimer and American Fiction. Costume between Barbie and Poor Things. Makeup and hair between Maestro and Poor Things. Production between Barbie and Poor Things. Uh, sound between uh, Oppenheimer and Zone of Interest. Visual effects between the Godzilla and the Crater, and an animated between Spider Man and Boy and the Heron. That is actually, I think, a good place as any to transition into my conversation with friend of the show, Pencilhead, A.K.A. Johnny. Uh, he's been—he was on a couple of years ago, but it's—you know—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's been a good year in animation. I definitely wanted to have him back on. Um, again, we really get into this. The conversation you're about to hear is about two hours long, so uh, plan accordingly. We really get out of this one, but you know, I hope you know you can just get our enthusiasm for just how much we love the animated films this year in this. Uh, Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with Pencilhead, a.k.a. Johnny. Joining me, it's been a while. It's been a couple of years, but uh, joining me back on the podcast uh, is friend of the show, Pencil, uh, aka Jonathan. Um, he's been a you know enthusiast for animation, one of the strongest advocates in the in the Discord server. So happy to have you on, uh, Pencil. Uh th- let, let the people know who you are if, they, if this is the first time listening.
1: Hello, <laughs> this is Johnny, aka Pencilhead. Um, it's good to be back. Um, I am. Uh, I am an artist and uh, animator in training. I have been in the Discord for a very long time, and I have been the best. I have had the best uh, experience with all of you guys, and I'm so glad to be on here again because, like I said, it's been a while since we talked about uh, the animated categories of 2020 slash 2021, where we talked about a lot of the films that came out during the pandemic. It was a very tough, very emotional time in our lives, and we're so glad that we're out of it. And now that we see 2023's animated films this year, um it's been pretty amazing. I'm not even gonna lie, it's been pretty good, a hefty competition here. But like I said, name's Johnny, uh, Pencilhead. I'm glad to be here, and like I said, it's, it's always good talking to you, man. It's always good hearing your voice, dude. Like awesome.
0: It, it's, same here. Same here. Yeah. Same here. Same. Always good to have you on. And you know, again, this is an especially strong year for animation. I think. Oh I yes. Mean, I mean, I I just was looking. I honestly can justify giving all of these films five out of five for me personally maybe for some sure. of that might be a little bit more emotionally driven than others but i mean um you know that this is definitely a, a crazier for animation so and yeah we'll, we'll get into that but you know yeah. first off how's your death race been what do you do you know where you're at in terms of, of watching everything for the my year?
1: death race has been you know like most you know let's first off let's talk about the day the oscar nominations came out that morning I woke up, and I was on my TV, put it on, and I did not expect... You know, sometimes the Oscars do be giving you like a, a little bit of a hammer wallop. Uh, I did not expect a lot of the films. I mean, I did expect, you know, Poor Things, Killers of Oppenheimer, fun, Oppenheimer, Barbie, all that. You know, I already knew that. But the thing that I did not know was... Anatomy for a Fall in the Zone of Interest. That was the thing that, you know, I should have kept my eye on that. I should have kept my eye on both of those films. I just didn't expect it. But let's talk about the animated category that morning. It was a lot. It, it was it was something else. I did not expect Robot Dreams to be nominated. I, a lot of people on the server were telling everyone to go watch this film. Go watch well, this film. <laughs>
0: To be fair, it was hard to find the way to watch it. It was trailer. very
1: hard to find it, but I was like, when I looked at the trailer, I was like, huh, this is very interesting. And once it was kind of like the Seabees type situation of last year. Because, you know, because like yeah. there was always that one it's I always, noticed there's always, always one that game. one.
0: last year was going to be um what's it the uh, my father's dragon from yes uh.
1: yeah but it's always that one nomination that surprises you and it's always that fourth one you got to watch out for that fourth nominee it's 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 baffling but my death race has been pretty good i just recently watched uh american fiction two days ago and i fell in love with it and by the way I love you guys so much to the point where like, man, I have been hooked on Letterboxd and I told myself uh, last year and this year and years, years later, I was going to start writing reviews on the films that I watch. I always make time to uh, write reviews and it, it's kind of, you know, I would say it would be, it's, it's a pretty healthy thing to do, you know, because when you're, In your head, so much, and you watch a movie, just watch a movie and just write about it. That's, I feel like that's a very good, like, mental coping. And when it came to like writing the animated films that I was watching and the films that I live action films that I was watching, pretty healthy to you know kind of go in depth and to actually you know kind of be a little bit comical of how I write reviews because that's something that I always like to do. I don't know why, I just like to like. Take the, take the thing seriously, but not because when I was writing the John Wick series, I was really like laying on the comedy of just like writing what I felt about uh, a guy, you know, going off, offing people because of the death of his dog. And it was so funny, but I thank you guys for putting me on Letterboxd. I have been hooked on it. I'm addicted to it. I go on there every single day. And it's 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 great.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely I, I've started making more lists as well myself. So um, we'll we'll get into our leather box, and and we'll say, we'll share the link to your leather box where people can read your reviews later. But. Yes. We have a lot to talk about. Um, So obviously this episode, you know, we're going to talk about, as you mentioned, all the animated feature films. Mm-hmm. Um, On top of that, you know, we're also going to talk about the animated sort films uh, yes. as well. And then, you know, maybe do a little bit, talk a little bit extra, talk about the films that didn't get nominated this year that, you know, we would have, that, you know, could have potentially been nominated and yes. also take a look for this coming year, 2024, to see what animated films are on our radar. So you ready to hop in, Pencil?
1: Gotcha. I'm ready.
0: Awesome. So we're gonna start off with the animated feature category, and uh, we're gonna order these in reverse order of the uh, odds that they are currently on. Uh, on um. Gold Derby as their chances of winning at the moment. So, kind of the mm-hmm. least likely to win up to the most likely. Um, you know, we're recording this, you know, on, on February 18th. We're actually doing it as the BAFTAs are going on right now. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll check. It's, we'll, pretty we, right it's pretty crazy right now. We'll, we'll hold it yeah. on the animation right now. So, we'll, we'll do that. Um, and then, and then we'll, we'll just go through it. So, I'm going to do a little bit of an intro for each film, you know, kind of like what it's about, what the awards they've gotten so far, and, and their ratings so far. And we'll just talk about each film and what we did in like about it. Mm-hmm. So First up, we have Robot Dreams, as we mentioned before, kind of, you know, a bit of a surprise yes. in the nomination. Yes, 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 uh, yes. Uh, it's a Spanish-French tragic comedy, as Wikipedia describes it. Uh, it's written and directed by Pablo Berger, uh, who previously, whose previous work, uh, Bianca Nieves, was the Spanish nominee for International Feature Film in 2013. Uh, the film is based on a graphic novel of the same name by artist uh, Sarah Veron, and it's a dialogueless film that follows the friendship relationship between a dog and his robot in 1980. Manhattan. Premiered at the Cannes Film Festival and won the Best Film at the Annecy Contra Champ category, as well as Best Animated Film at the European Film Festivals and the Goya Awards. While it hasn't technically released wide here in the U.S., it's sewn up here and there at a couple of film festivals and will actually be having a screening at multiple art house theaters across the country for a one-day-only special engagement on March 6th, uh, before Neon decides to put it wide uh, later in May, which strongly recommend you. That's very
1: interesting. There. So they haven't re- they haven't said anything about it in May. Okay. That's yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you know, they, they that said you know if you do know where to look online. Again, this podcast doesn't you know promote uh, piracy, so to speak. But if you oh, know where yeah. to look, uh, you can find it. Uh, gotcha. That, that being said, you know, this film was nominated for six Annie Awards and actually won Best Independent. It Emmy did. Emmy I actually Emmy. watched
1: it last night when I was about to go to sleep. I actually, this was like at 12 in the morning. I actually watched it. Yeah. I I knew that was going to win.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely well deserved. And then on Metacritic, it currently has a rating of eighty-one out of eighty-eight reviews, um, a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes with a relatively well, low number well, of we're reviews. Well deserved. Uh, Eight point three score out of twenty-seven reviews. And then on Letterboxd, a uh, three point nine out of about sixteen thousand reviews of people who have seen it. Yes. Um, all right. So you know, pencil. What did you think when you saw uh, Robot Dreams?
1: I love this movie. I love happy this birthday. film. I love this film. I'm saying so, I'm so I I was so happy to watch this film at a really decent time. I I I have never seen a film that would do such wonders for my my soul, my my mind. It, it was something I've it's something I haven't seen before in a long time. And the thing that I love about experimental animated films like this is it's that I I, I appreciate how simple the the animated style is. I love how simple it is, but and it's it's in a very complex somewhat thought provoking narrative. It was it was a it was a very heartwarming experience and the the, the, the story as a whole was such a so it, it, it's all it, it almost feels empathetic to those who went through what dog and robot which is the characters because you know like the the characters names is pretty much dog and robot but th- those characters. I feel like a lot of people, even people who really don't watch animation like that, and I did think about this a second, like just just to the top of my head. I did think about this, that even if you don't really watch animation like this, watch this movie, and I swear to God, you would probably have somewhat of a flashback of a memory that you really don't want to go back into and once you're finished with that movie it kind of gives you the cliff notes so or and and better yet the answer of how to deal with that type of loss how to deal with that type of you know that type of energy to move on and continue your life because that's what dog did you know the whole time he wanted to get his robot back Stuck in the beach, got stuck because he was in water. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Like, he's in water, he's in a beach. And that whole time, you know, the beach was closed. Dog was upset. And he promised himself to go back to the beach to get him. And he did. But it was, all too, was, late. But it was too late. And the thing that I also love about this film is holding on to the title's name of both the author and the director. The robot was literally dreaming of going back to the dog. But every time he would get close, he would always wake up at that same spot on that beach. And in my head, I knew exactly what that meant. Those dreams—it's hey. Sometimes dreams really do be meaning something. <laughs> it does. It really does give you a blueprint of what what's gonna happen. Sometimes these dreams can be real. Sometimes they can give you a message, not real full verbatim. Full Is it's real in the sense of giving you a clue. Robots dreams was a clue that he was not going to come back to him he was not going to come back and as you look at the film you are very stunned to the point where like yeah this this did not happen but there was something else to replace that that longing to to to, to replace that hurt and it was just you know a, another another person in his life That kind of gave him a music box for a body. (laughs) So it's, you know, you create more memories. Like, you know, life moves on. Life did move on for both of those characters. And I remember having tears just welting in my eyes because I know exactly how that felt. I know exactly how I can relate to this in my life where I've met so many people in my life and I felt, you know, Obligated to, you know, go back to them and just rekindle and just have everything back the way it was. But life isn't really like that. And I appreciate what the author was trying to do. And always, and I keep saying the author because she was the one who made it. And I, I appreciate what she did. You know, to have a simple story like this with a simple art style, which I love. Yeah. Um. But it had such. A a memorable tone to it. It's it's very memorable. It's a it's a modern classic, I, I will say. And I did say like these are one of the films that you know you really have to sit here. You have to sit down and really think, because a lot of films now, when it comes to blockbuster and stuff like that, they always really want to numb your mind. But I am the advocate of having to think about films and what to do with them and how to be inspired by them and create more stories such as robot dreams so yeah i love this movie i will watch this movie over and over like i will literally watch this movie over and over and over and over and over again it's such a deep heartfelt emotional fun Earth, Wind & Fire, Earth, Wind & Fire type film. It, it really, and you know, I, it, that that song, September, that song was also a message to the film as a whole. Yeah. And but, I do appreciate that. So, roll bright Dreams, that is literally a five out of five. I, I, I appreciate how humble the crew is right now. I really do. But... We got a lot of competition with you, Robot Dreams. Exactly. I love you. I, you do. You, yeah. you got two other films that are competing like hell. And, and you two know, others it,
0: were just as good. Yes. So, yeah, I think for me, right? So I saw this. I was really lucky. Um, the There was a film festival here in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. that happened to have it, um, you know, like right after the nominations came out. So I was able to actually see this then, uh, actually meet a couple other Death Racers from the Discord server at that screening because we were all like, oh, this is like might be your only chance to see it because there was no release uh, release date at the time. Um, So yeah, I mean, you mentioned, right, like even if you don't watch animation, this is something you should watch. You know, I I, I go back to that message of, you know, animation isn't uh, a genre. It's a medium, right? Yes. Yes. You know, granted, this was, like, a children's animation festival that that, that I was watching this at. Um, and, you know, there were a fair number of kids there. But, you know, like I said, it was like you mentioned, it's also adults, right? And, you know, yes. it, it's funny. We had kids laughing throughout at different things. And, you know, to some degree, maybe asking a little bit too many loud questions in the theater. But, you know, they kids, what They'll do what they do. Of course, um, yeah. But, like, you know, there were just, like, so many, like... I don't know, I have a list on Letterboxd that I'm working on that's like, you know, film that just get New York. You know, you obviously you have films that are just like the heightened sense of, you know, like the Godfather or whatever, right, of like dr- drama in New York. But like, like films that just capture like the everyday life of just being like living in like an urban city like that. Like yeah. Robot Dreams got that, gets that, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, and The and architecture of that
1: film as well, like the way that it looked in such a wide scope, the production designers of that film did an amazing job yeah. of like bringing that, that soul of Manhattan to life. It, yeah. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's funny. Right. And, and you know, to some degree, right. Like, um, you know, I, I, it, when I think about animated films, there are two parts. It was like, how much did this film push, you know, technical boundaries of what a film can do, right? Yeah. Um, perhaps Robot Dreams maybe didn't do quite as much in like the technical department, right? Um, you know, it, it, it didn't, it didn't I, I, to my knowledge, it didn't really necessarily push any significant, you know, style or, or technology or whatever. that It was well done. It was very competent. I yep. appreciated how they, you know, obviously paid homage to the original graphic novel roots yes, of, the, of the company, keeping that style and also yep. keeping the lack of dialogue, right? Um, but where i think I love films you, like yeah. that
1: i really do but Where I, I think yeah
0: what i think the film excels is that it, it it the other part is like how well does it just tell a story right and obviously the other part is using animation to tell a story you couldn't tell in live action right and that's exactly. something yes I and that's what animation is
1: so good at it's so been yeah. doing it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years we we convey our you know our stories we chan- we challenge them by imagination and by exaggeration that's literally what the nine old men were you know striking all of us yes absolutely that's 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 the illusion of life basically
0: (laughs) as as far as like you know what the message was i mean yeah you mentioned like you know obviously there's this message of you know like you kind of have to move on at the same time i want to add one layer more to the message that you met you mentioned you know it's you know obviously you you have to like kind of at some point move on in life right like right. you know robot won't be waiting forever right um you know and 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 you know dog has to learn learn to move on at some point as well at the same time even though you've moved on you don't forget you know right you don't forget yeah you're still part of who you are right like robot at the end he has like you know the the dual the the dual cassette you know music box body You know, he has his favorites, but he also has his new friend's favorites as well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's both of them carrying on. And it's kind of like, you know, there was that friend from, you know, middle school who I don't talk to anymore, but I still, you know, have have kept like maybe a a slang or a phrase of saying from them. Yeah, that's very Uh, interesting
1: that you say that, like you don't forget. That's something that, you know, wow, I should have added on to that. I didn't even think about that until you said it. Like, yeah, you don't forget those people. That made an impact yeah. of your life, both positive or negative. Those are kind of reflections of your character as a way, a, know, as he, a way to like carry them
0: on you know, with you, right?
1: Yes, they carry on with you, and they they'll never stop, you know, being carried. And, and
0: then that and that's a beautiful thing. I think. I think it that's is what, what very this very is about. So. It so- helps you grow. Yeah, I think that's just the beautiful thing. I mean, obviously- God, I love, like, love this movie. Like, yeah.
1: it, it really, like, it's a really, like, that's a, that's a movie I really wanted to talk about on here because I was like, oh my God.
0: Yeah. I mean, at, at the, I, I mean, and honestly, like, honestly, September, like, just the song is just literally one of my favorite songs that's a of banger. all time. Yes, that's like, a banger. Like, whenever it's September 21st, I literally listen to- Literally. That song, or <laughs> that song yes. all day, And so- I mean, I was always going to be sold on this film just off of the use of that song alone, as yes. like, a motif throughout. So, yeah, that 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 robot dreams. Honestly, like I don't think it's going to win, frankly. Right? It's really yeah, cool. I no know it's such it. a
1: good movie, but it's not honestly win. <laughs> like,
0: it right now. If I could pick who won, I would say Robot Dreams would win. Of yes, if nine. it
1: was any, it was if it was any other animated film, I would have picked Robot Dreams as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, what was your What was your favorite segment uh, throughout the film?
1: My f- dude, every it's literally everything. You have but to the- pick one. You have to I pick- know, one. but I guess I would say the when robot was having the dream of uh being in the sunflowers, dancing oh, with those tap dancing sunflowers, and I just really love the score of that. I, I love that whole entire segment. I was hooked on that.
0: Yeah, for me, I would say my favorite segment was probably the whole segment with Dog when, like, he ended up like you know getting along, flirting with um with Duck, right? When sorry, yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah, that was interesting. as around. well. That was cute, and then it just kind of it gave
1: ended. some Spike <laughs> Jones vibes. <Yeah.
0: laughs> and and, and it's like, sorry, I moved to Europe, and it's like,
1: and that was kinda, yeah. sad,
0: kind of yeah sad, but it's also like, oh, I've like not not me personally, but I've known people who who had that happen to them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, what, Myself what, included, what, I I related to ooh. that dog so much. I will say there was the, if there is one criticism of the film, it's like, okay, you have like anthropomorphic birds, obviously like duck, but then you also have like little pigeon birds. Like, what's going on here? It's like, goofy. and the thing that goofy. was also
1: funny that yeah. I noticed, I I died laughing about this. I I said when the robot and dog was trying to get hot dogs, I was like, you know, that was made from an animal. I know, right? right? <laughs> I, mean, I was like oh like, my good,
0: god at that point then but yeah um, but yeah i mean no
1: questions know. for animation just if, let it happen if,
0: <laughs> if that's if that's the biggest criticism you can have on the film the, the whole goofy pluto the both dog situation right um you know i i feel like this film is as close to as perfect as you can get i think
1: yes absolutely this awesome. is amazing
0: all right, well, we have a lot of films to talk about, so let's keep moving. Uh, yes. Next up, we have Nimona. So, oh, yes. This actually has a long hit backstory. Oh,
1: let's make. talk about so the history back, of that film. Yeah, now. Back
0: in 2015, so Blue Sky Studios, which is, of course, oh, you know, my, oh, my R.I.P. Love Rant, the love of my life. Rants yes. of 20th century animation uh, responsible for the Ice Age series and others. They got the right to the film, right? And... and, and then, you know, they were part of Fox. Fox was acquired by Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, there were money delays. Eventually, Blue Sky got shut down in 2021, which the film was then kind of in limbo. Luckily, 2022, we got word that Annapurna predict- Pictures picked it up, uh, and it ended up releasing it last year. Um, so here we are. You know, it's another graphic novel adaptation, funnily enough. Yes. Um, this one is by Andy Stevenson, who also created, so ran, and executive produced uh, the... Um, a uh, ra and Princesses of Power TV series, actually, as well as the comic series Lumberjanes. Mm-hmm. Um, Nimona was actually originally published on Tumblr, of all places, uh, back from 2012 to 2014, while Stevenson was attending the Maryland Institute College of Art and has actually won an Eisner Award, a Syblis Award, and Cartoonist Studio Prize, which are you know all pretty big deals within the uh, the graphic novel world. Um, so anyway, Nimona is set in a fantasy world that has vibes of Blade Runner. Actually, when I was watching, I was like, this is a lot more sidebar. It side does when, when you really was. think about it, yeah. Um, it is but anyway, night. so it, it features you know, Chloe Grace Moretz as the eponymous <laughs> safe-sifter Nimona, um, as well as Riz Ahmed as her boss, uh, and the former knight, ballister who have to work together to essentially solve the mystery of uh, a murder within the kingdom, um, it debuted debuted at the Annecy International Animation Film Festival and was released on streaming on Netflix back in June. It was nominated for nine Annie Awards, winning two for writing and voice acting. Uh, currently has a seventy five on Metacritic with seventeen reviews, a ninety three on Rotten Tomatoes uh, with seven point nine out of hundred reviews, um, and then three point nine on Letterbox with two hundred and sixteen thousand reviews. So. Obviously, it sounds like you're familiar with uh Nimona's backstory. Did you read yes. the graphic novel or no? Uh,
1: okay, so first, <laughs> now, I know a lot about Nimona's history and a lot of these films nominated. Um I, first, I did know who In- Indy Stevenson was. She was working on Wander Beyonder at the time. I was like 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. They were working at uh, Wander Over Yonder with Craig McCracken and then I started to see what they were doing on Twitter which is this Nomona story and I was very interested of this story it was very cute it was very like their art style is pretty weird but there's something I was very attracted to it so I saw like a few comic strips of what they did. And um it looked great and I think it was 2018 where I saw that they were announcing a, a feature-length animated film for this and I was like, "Oh, go for it." And I was like, "Blue Sky? Oh, yes, go for it. This will definitely help the studio bring some money in and let's talk about the history Before I compliment the hell out of this movie, because it's really good, let's talk about how shady and how disrespectful Disney was about that whole process. Now, you bought Fox. Okay, that's good. You bought Fox, and Blue Sky Studios was attached to that. Was there any, like, really think about this? Was there any point? Of shutting that studio down. For what? And when Spies in Disguise came out, that really didn't make a lot of money. So Disney was like, okay, since you didn't make a lot of money on Spies in Disguise, both in the theaters and on DVD sales, we're gonna have to cut you. And a lot of people, especially myself, had to sit here and look at Chris Wedge, the director of Ice Age Robots and Epic and the founder of this company give out a thank you letter to all of the people that supported Blue Sky Studios for for almost two decades. And seeing that Twitter post of him explaining what was going on and saying thank you to all of us it was very heart-wrenching. It it was like... A, a, I felt like I was being stabbed. And now... Disney owns everything Blue Sky. Blue Sky is not even a name anymore. It's on... Everything is on Disney Plus And they bastardized Ice Age in such a level I did not... I did not respect. And it's all about money it is it really is all about money they weren't making a lot of money they decided to shut down blue sky and they de- decided to shut down namona which was Are they, they said it was 80s it was eight, I think it was 87 or 89 percent done this is my knowledge this it was nearly almost done it was directed by patrick osborne I was really excited to see what Patrick was going to do with this because he directed Feast. He directed this uh, short film that he was also nominated for. I forgot the name, but he's a really good director, a fantastic artist. And I really wanted to see what he did with this. But thanks to Annapura and Netflix, I, I tip my hat to them. I really do give them my round of applause for saving this film from being shelved. And this story really needed to come out. The story really needed to happen. We'd waited nearly three years for this.
0: I mean, longer. It's been in production for like eight years.
1: It's been in production for eight years, but we waited another additional three. <laughs> yeah. And it, w- it was very... I was very happy to see that. I was very happy to see like two companies say, "No, we're not gonna. No, no, we're not gonna do that. This story needs to be needs to be in the eyes of the people." And when I saw this film, I knew I was gonna love it instantly. I knew I knew I was gonna love it. I knew this was all the work that all of these animators and all these character designers, all these production designers worked so hard to do at blue sky i had to look at different production notes and different animated uh segments from the original namona uh production at blue sky all of these people who were working on this film were posting things that they did when that company shut down and I was so sad, but I was so happy to see their work come to life. A lot of animators from Blue Sky retired after that, you know, yeah, and it and it's sad. it's sad. And a lot of animators from my from my um, research, they went on to work at Disney. Unfortunately, like they had, they were kind of forced into a corner. They were either working at Disney or at another, you know, indie company. And it was very sad to see all that talent you know go so fast and i i appreciate all of the artists as well you know talking crap to disney you know there's a there's a subliminal message that we don't see in the film and it related to blue sky it, i think it literally said blue sky in the film there's an easter egg oh, in I the film that. That, yeah there's an easter egg in the film that we that we don't really pay attention to it's all it's all in these windows, I think, and it was—it said something in the lines of like, "Long live blue sky" or "Blue sky rules" or something like that. You know, that it just—it really paid so much respect to the company that they used to work at. You know, we're talking about Ice Age, we're talking about Rio, we're talking about Horton Hears a Two, we're talking about the Peanuts movie.
0: Peanuts movies, yeah. we're,
1: we're talking about a a, a giant, a, a, a animated, an animation studio. That was continually, you know, raising the stakes of what they were doing technically. And I really do appreciate that, in my opinion, that animation studio was the kings and queens of texturizing fur. Disney can't really do that, in my opinion. Disney can't really do what Blue Sky did when it came to fur and fabric. And I, it's, it's a technical marvel. And it, I, I was, I was very frustrated with Disney. And I, that, my respect for Disney right now currently is, is not, it's not all there, man. That was the one that really broke the camel's, that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me when it came to my relationship with Disney. Um, that felt personal. That was very personal. Yeah. And Nomona was such a beautiful, beautifully animated film, and Nick and Nick and Troy, as directors, y'all killed it. Y'all, y'all really gave Patrick Osborne his flowers. Um, a beautiful story about being connected with yourself and knowing that you know, it, it's okay to be different. It's okay to feel like a little bit unknown, but you still know yourself as a person. And it's also a story about forgiveness and it's, and it's about trust and there's a lot of things that, you know, even adults and kids can learn. And that's the thing I love about animation is that it, it it goes both ways between adults and kids, just like we were talking about robot dreams. And you know, we have kids that would ask questions about it and also, you know, relating to adults on a spiritual uh on a spiritual level. And yeah, Namona was was great with its 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 wit. And it's plot twists, it was so many plot twists that really got me into like, oh my god, this is, it's like I was watching Tangled or Wreck It Ralph all over again. It's like <laughs> it, it, it was it, it, it like nostalgia was fuming watching Nymona, and I couldn't ask for a, another better film than that. It, it's, it's, it's so good.
0: Yeah. So I, a couple of things there, right? Obviously, you know, it's, it's very—I I know it's very personally—the whole blue sky story. Actually, I was just looking up while you were talking. Like now, the the Easter egg you were talking about is when they're in the car that's like you know, a right, 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 right. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. yeah. The billboard that says like blue sky, like like it's, it's yes, it's like pain or whatever. But it's, it says blue sky never dies. Basically.
1: Blue sky never dies. That's what it was called. Yeah. yeah, blue sky never dies, and then yeah. that, that's even better because that that was that was literally. Like, calling Disney out. It really was. And a lot of artists did that, you know? It it was was crazy. Like, I was seeing so many animators and character designers who were talking about what was going on. Like, a lot of people were more, you know, vocal than I am. But, like, it was kind of along the lines, like, yeah, Disney kind of stole my job. Disney took my job away. I got laid off by a company that was bought. But <laughs> I You yeah. know, it was it, a lot of people took that to heart, and I appreciate animators who 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 speak out like that. You know, because yeah. that that was very unfair for them to do that.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah, talking about the film itself, right? Like, I mean, you know, to some degree, right? I think it, this is a kind of a similar story to to tropes we've seen before. Think the sea beast from last year. Oh um, yeah. Or or how to train your dragon obviously is another one where there's you know some misunderstood non-human. Character, right, and then it's it's seen as a threat, but it you know one individual from the human world becomes friends with it, and they realize they you know the whole the the human society was you know inherently bigoted or 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 you know racist against you know this particular species, and they find oh we can actually live together this this non human you know creature is actually can help us right right um, and you save the day at the end right so in that regard, I don't think it's anything that new narratively. Yeah, yeah, no, Um, narratively.
1: No. I mean, but the thing about stories is that once you have, this is what I learned from a story. I think I saw this in a video once. Uh, It was a story. It was a guy who was, you know, doing films and stuff like that. And he learned from, you know, different directors that he was working with. He said that, you know, stories can be told so many times, but in a different way. And yeah. it's all up to your interpretation. And I was like, huh, this is very interesting how you yeah. say that because we can tell the same story. Like, like you said, it was pretty much like a how to train your dragon story. You know, a, a misunderstood species or a human or, you know, even a person or a robot, <laughs> uh, AI or whatever, like a misunderstood thing and there's one that one person that that sees the good in them, and turns out that is literally the key to yeah. helping whatever it is, whatever dilemma that all of the a, a community or a, a place can be fixed. And it, yeah, yeah, it's very simple, but yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it still goes a long way.
0: But I think it's good in that it's a you know something we've seen before, so it's okay. You can kind of, you know, to some degree, the mental load on you is like you don't need to worry as much about you know understanding that particular plot point. Right. But what it does then, you use the story as a scaffolding for something else you want to tell on top of that so in this case right i think obviously a big part of pneumonia is the queer element to it right mm-hmm. um obviously there's you know um you know there there's there's the uh the the homosexual relationship between bal and his partner right, right. um throughout the film um which is you know obviously also in the in the graphic novel yes there's the whole allegory of you know pneumonia as you know being queer and you know at first Bal is like hey can you maybe not be so out there flamboyant about it basically mm. and it's like why should i have to like hide who i am right uh just to make you comfortable yeah. right Um, uh, kind of being who you are being who you are and if i don't yeah. you know safe sift i'd feel like i would die right i feel like i wouldn't be able to be myself right
1: yeah
0: um and i'm not a girl i'm not a monster i'm just Nimona. Right, I, yeah. I don't have to define who I am within your confines um which you know it also obviously makes sense I mean the the graphic novel author Andy Stevenson is non-binary is trans masculine actually mm-hmm. yeah. um so obviously that that comes from lived experience um yep. I have I haven't read the Nimona graphic novel myself from what I've seen on Wikipedia the plot is a little bit different obviously there was similarities yeah the plot, a plot was a,
1: a lot different than um what we see in the film. Uh, even balaa's name was changed a little bit that. different yeah. yeah and I saw I saw a glimpse of the graphic novel but I I didn't see it for a few years. I mean I did love seeing what they were doing with that novel and I was like, huh, oh, I'm gonna keep my eye on it because I find this very yeah. interesting.
0: Maybe this might be a chance to go back and check out check out the graphic novel and how it absolutely yours.
1: yeah and that's exactly um, what I did after watching the film. I, I was trying to see how much the graphic novel was and i'm still in the process of getting it so yeah so i'm yeah re- i'm i'm ready to like read the the similarities and the differences between yeah. the ad- adaptation
0: yeah so, yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, obviously there's that whole element of the plot. There was, you know, another element about, you know, again, I was kind of surprised, you know, when I read, oh, it's like a world based on, like, medieval. Okay, it kind of makes sense. sip knights and whatever. The amount of, like, it feels like it's a Blade Runner movie. Yeah, right? it, it, that it was did. That was super cool. Wow, I, I cool.
1: thought it was, like, you know, it was weird. This might be a weird comparison, but I'll, it was, like, even, like, the first, I say, first 15 minutes of the film, I would say it was giving... Uh, when Wreck It Ralph went to Heroes Duty and all those lights oh, yeah. and the yeah, background, yeah, yeah. I, I did kind of get that from that, and a little bit of another weird comparison, uh, a little bit of Cars in that first fifteen minutes when Lightning mm-hmm. McQueen was going to his race and like the atmo- I was I'm talking about the atmosphere because that's what it felt like. You know, you're you're being knighted, and it feels like we're in this coliseum, and it was very um like i said a very wide scope like just like robot dreams wide scope production design that really fills in your eyes and i i I, you know i loved every little detail of that film especially what they were doing a lot of the a lot of what the film was going to be a blue sky is kind of what we see now a lot of the things that they were doing is kind of translated to the film but right. had it's different people. Thing. But had different people um kind of polished their animation a bit. So Yeah.
0: So, yeah. you know, obviously there's the you know, so I mean obviously that's kinda of like the narrative part of it. There's a whole other element also I think which you know we could go into, but we'll also like already have like forty minutes. We've only talked about two movies so far, but right. um of like, you know, Trusting your community, you know, there's, there's a whole like thing about like deep fakes and like can you trust like what you see, right? Yes. Um, going on, which you know is a little bit of an interesting commentary on the way AI is going in in today's yeah, world. I don't think I don't we have time to get into.
1: It God, it makes me want to throw up.
0: Yeah. Um, that all said, right? That's that's like I said, there's, there's the there's the narrative part of it, which again, this did win for writing, right? Yes. It um, did. at the Annie Awards, but then you know, there's also the whole animated animated section, right? So it has it has. A different style of, of you know obviously like since Spider Verse there's been kind of like the mix of like yeah two D three D hybrids 2D. I've
1: been calling it that a 2D, yeah but 3D two and a hybrid. half
0: D maybe yeah um, but this is like its own brand like this this feels similar to like the Peanuts movie was right like another blue sky film right it has like a little bit of a different texture to it as exactly, well Exactly, yeah yeah Absolutely. and then I mean also shout out to the voice voice acting here I mean uh Chloe Grace Chloe Moretz, and Riz you know, were
1: like oh they were they were Unstoppable force. Yeah, she was I, having I, I love so that. much fun. You I know tell she. I bomb. know she was having so much fun with that, and she even said like it, that was a very amazing experience. I
0: mean, like her doing the demon baby was just like was this yes, perfect. And,
1: uh, every time she turned into a shark, I was like, I was all for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like um, shark teeth.
0: <laughs> all right, we gotta keep it moving. There's a lot to talk about, especially yes. with these upcoming films. But I mean, Nimona, again, five out of five for me. Like, yes, it's this a is a four out of five. I'm kicking myself for not watching it sooner honestly I watched yeah. it last night I should have seen this sooner
1: Yeah I'm I'm actually going to put Nimona in my April film schedule so Awesome.
0: Well, okay. Next up, we have somewhat of a controversial film. Um, uh, Obviously, I'm <laughs> high on all of these. But uh, so we have Elemental. Now, this oh, is the latest offering from Pixar, set in the world, kind of like Zootopia esque, but it's following, yeah. you know, the elements of nature, the classical elements of air, uh, air water, earth, fire. Shout out to my Avatar, the last Airbender fans. You have the live action coming uh, later this week as I would oh, record this.
1: I don't even want to go into that.
0: Anyway, that is, well, it's not the Samlon version. It's the, it's the, it's apparently like. I know, like,
1: but like the creators of those, yeah. the, of that lab. We that don't have time to get into that. I know, Another, man. another
0: episode. Anyway, uh-huh. Elemental follows the Fire Elemental, um, Ember Lumen, and then Water Elemental, Wade Whipple. They grow closer together while also trying to save Ember's father's convenience store. Um, you know, it's directed by Peter Son, who directed Pixar's Good Dinosaur, which, you know, unfortunately not one of the better reviewed Disney uh, Pixar films. Um, that said, this film draws directly from San's experience growing up as the son of immigrants, Korean immigrants, uh, in New York City, in the Bronx in in the 70s. While it did open to less, I always say less than stellar box office reviews or numbers and reviews. It's actually the second lowest opening of any Pixar film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only lower was the original Toy Story, which the only reason that's low is because of inflation. Um, right. Eventually, inflation, though, I didn't hear about that. yeah. Eventually, though, Elemental did go on to become a financial success, grossing nearly five hundred million dollars worldwide. It actually outgrossed the Spider Verse movie internationally. Oh boy. Um, yeah, it was nominated for the Golden Globes, Best Animated Feature, the BAFTA, and it was up for six Annie Awards, though unfortunately did not win any. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it has relatively low reviews, 58 on Metacritic from 45 reviews, 74% uh, Tomato Meter on Rotten Tomatoes, Average Score 6.4, which these are the second and third lowest of any Pixar film, respectively. Um, it has a 3.3 on 451,000 reviews from Letterboxd. Um, so yeah. Obviously, one where, you know, to some people, this feels like the obligatory Disney nominee, right? Yeah. Um, given that WIS definitely was not well-received. Oh, um, but, you know, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation we'll get to later. That said, I am here to defend Elemental. Um I think, yeah, I know. It, I, I, you know, when
1: we're in a discord. I'd be, I'd be seeing you defend the hell out of that film. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my okay, God. Okay. I'll,
0: I'll, I'll take the lead on this one because yeah, I just have yeah. a lot to yeah, say. Please here. Do. Oh, Yeah. Go ahead. Go so, ahead. I mean, for me, right, I think, I think one, one indicator for me that this was actually. Again, this I think is a little bit biased. You know, obviously I'm Filipino American. I'm the son mm-hmm. of immigrants. My parents yes. moved here, you know, not to necessarily open up the equivalent of a bodega, right? But it is okay. they, they did come here. They gave up their life in the Philippines to, you know, provide a better opportunity for me and my siblings. Right. Um, and I felt a lot of what you know Ember goes through in the film with regard to, uh, you know, the line that really hit me was that how can I ever repay the sacrifice my dad gave for me, the only way I feel I can do that is to sacrifice my own life to carry on his dream, right? Yeah. Um without really understanding that, you know, the father's dream was not to run a store, it was to provide for her and let her have opportunities, right? Like yeah. I definitely had that conversation with my parents at one point. Of course. Um so like that's just super personal to me. I mean, you know, on a on like narratively, yeah, sir. Maybe the romance between Wade and ember not necessarily the strongest but i think the really interesting thing i think is the immigrant experience story in there right like i was i was actually like earlier just looking up like let me look look a little bit more into the story of the immigration because obviously bronx is the bronx isn't where you expect to see a lot of korean immigrants but apparently there actually was a little enclave of korean immigrants. Uh, immigrants in the Bronx in the 70s. And it was actually a kind of cool also seeing how, you know, when they come, like the whole immigrant story, they, they come over from Firelandia or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, they have their names, but then the immigrant officer is like, okay, that's hard to pronounce. We'll just give you these names instead, Right. right. Um, or like they try to rent, um, in like this, you know, kind of like down area, um, that's, that's the only thing they can afford because it's cheap. And even mm-hmm. then they're like no fire people allowed here. Right. Kind of reflecting, yeah. you know, somewhat racist, you know, yeah, rental, race, rental, yeah, rental rules in the past. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the cool thing is, then you see this enclave of other fire. Like, they were the first ones to come to this community and then build up this community, this enclave, like a Chinatown around them, basically. Yeah, right. Like, basically. that's just like a, such a cool thing that actually happens. And then, I mean, like, they brought in the. The, the people who made the, the the fictional language of Dothraki for Game of Thrones, they brought them in to create a fictional language for oh, the fire people, the fire people oh, right? Oh, I did not know. Wow, that's, that's um, and like, you know, dope. you mentioned like, you know, they're using like, so he uses this word for father, right? Instead of referring to the father, like dad or whatever, so he uses this fictional word for father, which is very authentic, like how he would refer to like, you know, whatever, whatever in your native language. And, you know, there's the whole other racial element of like, you know, I mean, like fire the five people I think are coded Asian to some degree. I can't decide if South Asian East Asian or South Asian. And then, you know, water people I think are a little bit more coded white uh in the film. Yeah, and so it's much. like, oh, Wade's, you know, like you have like Wade's uncle it's like or as we call it, water like we I paint in watercolors, or as we call it colors uh so you have a very good accent for 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 first um for you know essentially a fire person's like it's all yeah that's that's what happens when you speak the same language your entire life kind of like a, a subtle like where are you from type uh type thing going on which yeah. you know as an Asian person I've experienced so I mean again I'm I'm rambling a little bit here but no I think,
1: I, I've been rambling too it's, it's all we're all I mean, the love,
0: the love story again it kind yeah. of whatever. It's cute, right? I mean, the, the tagline of you know there's chemistry, like you changed my chemistry, uh, is kind of cute. And I mean, the fact that there is kind of like this whole element of like inter- interracial relationships going. I mean, Peter's son has a has a white wife, right? So I, I'm sure that uh, that also draws from his his experience of like you know, um, oh, I want you to grow up and marry a nice Korean girl, and then he he gets married to a white girl at some point, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure that 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 there was a conversation there. I mean, like. If you don't like the film, I I completely understand. It's not the highest level. Of, it's not the highest um, narrative of animation. At the same time, this was definitely geared more a little bit towards kids, right? I think Robot Dreams, yeah. for example, geared a little bit more toward adults. This one was definitely it, geared yeah, directly yeah. toward kids. So you can't expect, like, as deep an exploration of, you know, cultural, like, you know, of, 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 of immigrant story or, or a love story or whatever. So...
1: Yeah, maybe
0: they pulled their punches for the kids, and I can I can appreciate why maybe compared to other stuff, it's not quite as on that level. Mm -hmm. But I just felt so seen in this movie. Like I have a list of other boxes that make you cry. A lot of my
1: friends were, a lot of my friends begged me to watch this film because even my you know my best friend from high school, you know she's Hispanic and she also felt the the exact same way how you described that film to you how your experience was you know. She's Hispanic. Her family, you know, immigrated to this country, and she understood that very well. And I'm not knocking anybody who, you know, you know ha- has those type of stories that are very similar to them. I respect those type of stories, you know. I, I but the relationship with Pixar right now is kind of it's quite, it's kind of dwindling because of it, its story. Like Lightyear, sure. year right. was um. Was kind of I was like, okay, I'm I'm actually done. Yeah. But when Elemental came out, I was like, I would give this a shot. But when it came to the love story of the film as a whole, and they were really promoting that, I'm just like, well, it really yeah. doesn't make any sense. They
0: definitely marketed the wrong part of the film. I think that's right. It makes no sense. That, yeah. Um, I will say on the so that's the obviously the narrative part. I will say on the technical side of things, you know,
1: it's all right. It's it's all right. I
0: will say there was. The I character find designs cool, were good. I will say that. I did find a cool paper. They actually came, they came up with a new way. Um. So obviously, right, like the whole idea of AI and, and art is not cool. I think this is one element where actually using AI was kind of cool. Emphasis where, on
1: element. <laughs> well, they
0: they basically used they basically used it as a tool to essentially create volumetric characters. So as opposed to say, you know. Toy Story, and like, you know, you you create a character rig for, you know, Buzz or Woody or whatever, right? right? Mm -hmm. And you animate that, you know, each individual movement. In Elemental, they essentially, instead of having a set skeleton, they use Mm -hmm. volumetric. Like I, I don't even know all the details of it but it's a, they, they essentially used an AI model create a volumetric Uh-oh. shape of the character who could flow and move so that the fire would look more like fire and her body would change shape right oh, um, wow. I thought that was really cool like apparently it used six times as much computing power to create than it did for soul right okay so it's like there was actually like if it, like one thing Pixar always does they always push like the technical frontier of what you can do in animation yeah, so I think doing this that is another years, thing they they
1: still. Back. They're probably doing that with Elio right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I mean, yeah, I, 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 I give this film no note. Okay, one note: fix the maybe, maybe don't market the love story at the center. Focus a little no. bit more on the immigrant story. Um, but even then, like, right, the love story is integral to the to the immigrant story of like, oh, I want to marry. I don't want to marry a fire person. I want to get together with this per- other person, right? So. All
1: right it's like i know what they were trying to do but i'm just like well i was it's like peter i even didn't really like the good dinosaur because i always like i i did say this i was like peter as a director i mean he's talented but like he's his stories are just not as impactful it is i it's, think it's boring I
0: think, I think he might have been a bit on the Part, part of the reason I think, and this is kind of like broader business question as opposed to art questions, mm-hmm. I think part of the issue is that with Disney lately, like the whole push to streaming and Disney Plus, they've yeah. kind of devalued their films to some degree with, um, you know, essentially training consumers to, oh, you need to see this in theaters. You can just watch it on Disney Plus eventually,
1: right? Yeah, we're in a fatigue when it comes to yeah. that. Yeah.
0: Uh, which you know they, we'll talk about later, but they they are going to be moving Moana off of Disney Plus, Moana two off of Disney Plus to uh, theatrical release again. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, anyway, I rambled a lot. Any things uh, I haven't mentioned about uh, Elemental that you want to you want to mention?
1: Nope. No, no right. I just I, it's a when I saw Elemental get nominated, I was like, oh Jesus, another. I I knew. I, I I rather replace the Super Mario Bros. movie with this one because I, I had a really good time with that. So
0: well, between between, well, I, I mean, knowing that the animated or branch, Chicken rock <laughs> the animated branch all all obviously has a lot of Disney people, so they're going. Oh to the yeah, when this a film. lot of bias. Yeah, so if there was one, I mean, between this or WIS.
1: Oh, that you don't even put me in that spotlight. Right. That is hard. No, they're oh, I can't even. You know what? I rather okay. To answer this question, I would rather have Elemental than Wish because I, a lot of my friends said you spent $15 on this on Wish. And I was like, I wanted to give it a shot. But we'll talk about that later.
0: All right. All right. So, okay. Those are the first three. And, you know, while, you know, they're all great films of their own rights. Again, I personally have them all five out of five. Okay. The next two are really the fun runners for this. Ooh, yes. Um, so, again, currently on second place on Gold Derby, we have Boy and the Heron. So, this was originally titled as How Do You Live uh, in Japan? Yes, it which was. I actually to... like that title a lot. I, know, more. I think it's a better title. <laughs> <laughs> it anyway, yeah. It's a reference to a 1937 Japanese novel of the same name that's kind of like inspired the film to some degree. Yeah. Uh, it's the latest film from legendary director Studio Ghibli's Hayao Miyazaki. We call
1: him the grumpy old man. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Uh, It was initially built... Also, fun fact, this and Robot Dreams are both hand-drawn, and this is the first year there have been two hand-drawn films uh, in a long time. In a long... Since
1: 2002, I believe.
0: Yeah, near the beginning. Anyway. Yeah. uh, Anyway, so this was initially billed as his final film, though, of course, he can never actually retire. Lies. Uh, (laughs) Lies. (laughs) Uh, But uh, anyway, Boy in the Heron follows uh, uh, the boy, uh, uh, young man, uh, Mahito uh, Maki, during World War Two, he moved to the countryside to escape the, the bombings of Tokyo. After his mother dies, so you know, um, he, he ends up discovering a fantastical world where a talking with a talking gray hair and then parakeets and you know all this weird stuff. Which there's no way I can actually describe what happens in the film. Like no. here, uh, it's just way too much um, in it's a, a good lot. way. Um, Anyway, it released in Japan in July before having its international premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. It won uh this uh, people's choice second runner up behind uh American Fiction and um and uh, the Holdovers. Um, it had its New York its US premiere at the New York Film Festival where I actually got to see it. Um and then it oh, cool. released wide in theaters uh early December. Uh, it's been honored as a new, as the New York Film Critics Circle and LA Film Critics Circle best animated film of the year. Uh the National Board uh, a Board of Review Top 10 Film of the Year, won the Golden Globe for Animated Feature, um, and also, you know, within the last couple of hours or so, just won the Bathroom yeah, for Animated BAFTA. Um, It was also up for seven Anime and Annie Awards and won two of them for Character Animation and Storyboarding. Yeah, I did um, see
1: that, yeah.
0: I also want to give a special shout out to Joe Hisashi uh, and his score. Oh, um, Joe is amazing. Yeah, I was he's, just he's watching had a couple the of tale of Princess Kyle, uh,
1: Kagawa, and oh my God, his score yeah. is just Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, um so, you know, all that and then, you know, as far as reviews, it's had a 91 on Metacritic uh, with 54 reviews, 97 on Rotten Tomatoes, uh 8.5 out of 245, and then 4.0 on 468,000 reviews on Letterboxd. Um, what do you, how how do you feel about uh, about Studio Ghibli and how Miyazaki pencil? So,
1: Studio Ghibli is obviously a legendary animation studio and like I said, I was just watching The Tailor Princess uh Kaguya, Kaguya, yeah, Kagu- I keep unpronouncing the name. K- Kaguya, that was—I saw that last week. That was I have never seen okay such a masterpiece like that.
0: Side note: I mentioned how Elemental made me cry. Mm-hmm. Only three films have actually made me cry that I can remember. Um, one of them was also the Tale of the Princess Kaguya. Yeah, so. that
1: that was a that was an emotional roller coaster ride. I, that whole like I was. I was kind of like shovelled and just in tears in my bed yeah. because I was like oh my god. Yeah.
0: Notably uh Princess Kaguya was by the other Studio Ghibli founder Isao Takahata yes. who was passed on. Uh, but yeah, a legend, um, another Studio, legend. Yeah, another legend. So, you know, but then what about uh, Miyazaki right and his films? So
1: Miyazaki, um he the way that I can describe Miyazaki out of all the films that i've seen from my from my family members introducing me to him and even a, a stepdad that i had who was really anime driven he mentioned miyazaki you know you know i've watched princess mononoke how's moving castle which is my favorite uh, ponyo which was one of the first films that i've seen as a whole from him uh, porco rosso Parker and The one. Wind Rises, I feel like that was another favorite of mine. I really took what Miyazaki was saying in that film. And now we have The Boy and the Heron. Now, The Boy and the Heron was, I watched this in theaters last month. I think a few, a couple of weeks right after the new year. I was going to originally see it. We talked about this. I was going to originally see it in December just to end it off in the year, but I couldn't. So um, that film, The Boy in the Heron, was such a weird experience in, in and in a weird way of saying, yes, your mother has passed away from this tragic event, but learning how to move on from it is the only way. I mean it was a similar, weird way it's of, of, of saying It's similar to
0: robot dreams.
1: Yes, yeah, very similar to robot dreams, but it's in tied to a parent. And I can see where Miyazaki was going with this, but I was like, you know, I feel like there's a little bit more of what he could have done. Like I I personally feel Obviously, the world building, he is a master of world building. Any film that he does and he puts in and touches, he is going to make a world out of it. He is going to make it as memorable as you can possibly imagine. He did this with Howl's Movie Castle. He did this with Spirited Away. He did this... With even the castle in the sky, he he did this all in his original work, his world building. Even even uh, my neighbor Totoro, Totoro, Jesus, yeah, yeah, Totoro. (laughs) He he even made a world out of that, and it's just he he creates this large scale of a whole universe that could be, you know, you know, difficult for a theme park, but like it's it's such it sticks in your mind so much. The story as a whole, I knew what he was talking about, but the way it was executed and especially the ending, um, it was kind of anticlimactic, I would say. And I was like, okay, um, I just watched a man not direct for 10 years and and he still has it. And yeah. he it's like he still has it he still can do it, but this was a story that I was like, "It's not bad, but it needs some work." Well, it's amazing, but it needs some work. <laughs> well,
0: I think so. I'll I'll counterpoint this I actually. So, in my opinion, I okay. you know, I've seen all the Studio Ghibli films. Uh, for me, *Princess Kaguya* is the best Studio Ghibli film. The mm, yes, the uh, best. And then, uh, as far as Miyazaki specific films, this is my fifth of his films. Um mm-hmm. Spirit of the Way, um uh what's it? Spirit of the Way, um uh Princess Mononoke, House Moving Castle are the top three. Um and I'll put Porco Rosso um as my fourth favorite. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mine um, is I think this is my House fifth favorite. Moving
1: film. castle, Spirit of the Way and yeah. Ponyo.
0: Yeah. Um I will say I like this one a lot because I think part of it is you I think maybe you need to understand so one, critiques. I'll start with the critiques. Um I think it was a little bit rambly in the dream it sequence. Was. It kind of was, yes, it, it was. A little bit. Um, you know, you could argue that maybe it. You know, I feel like there's just so much world building that he has in his head that he just didn't have time to put on the page or on the screen, yeah. basically, right? Like you can imagine the entire ecosystem of this Alice in Wonderland type world that he that he falls into, right? Well, oh,
1: that's a good one. Yeah, It did feel like um, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah.
0: That said, right. That aside, I think the narratively, I think the important thing is the real the real crux of this comes down to his uh, Mahito's interaction with uh his granduncle, basically, right? Like that yeah. that that old guy at the end who, you know, I'm the one who maintains this world by balancing the rocks every so often. I'm growing tired, I'm gonna, you know, die. I'm I need to pass this on to someone. And then Mahito could become that person to take over, have this ultimate power, rewrite the world as he wants it to. But at the end of the day, he chooses to not take over that responsibility, not be in charge of this magical right. in wonderland world. And instead chooses to go back to the real world. He learns over time to accept the grief and the loss of his mother. Yeah. Right. Yes, accept absolutely. his you know, this is a whole, I think, a Japanese thing of the time of like accepting his aunt as his stepmother, basically. Right. Yeah. And and his future step sibling. Um and I thought that was pretty big. wild.
1: You go to see like your your mom dies, and he goes to the sister of your mother. I, I'm I thought that sure was that pretty was like
0: wild. I <laughs> sure that was a culturally specific thing of the time. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so that aside, but like Mahito's acceptance of you Like, if the other thing is, you have to and you have to read this as, I've read this. i read it described. This is Miyazaki. He he came back from retirement to make this in order to leave something behind for his grandson right? Okay. Like He wants to make a film for his grandson, and I think, obviously, with his age and, you know, you know thinking about his yes, legacy... he's in his 80s, yeah. Yeah. One, he packed in a lot of tropes that are just, like, classic Miyazaki things, like the soot sprites, the equivalent, the little white things that, like, float up and become like life, basically. Yeah, um, that, that Yeah, the parakeets, like, all all of this stuff, the eating, the food, all these classic Miyazaki stuff. Yeah. At the end of the day, Miyazaki, I think, puts himself in the role of this... Um, of the grand uncle, right? He's he's building, reconstructing these worlds over and over, and he's telling his son, "Look, when I pass away, right? When I or his, when I when I move his grandson, when I move on, you don't need to feel like he has to take up my mantle. You live your life, you get you and live on with the grief of me being gone, but take that grief and live a full life afterwards." Oh, I think wow. that was. I think you have to view that through the lens of that message. I to think his I son. said
1: that in my review. I think I I think I was on the nose of what I was saying like I did say like yeah, yeah this is I can tell like that Miyazaki was pointing at somebody but I didn't know who
0: yeah I mean I read a lot of you know anime news so that that's how I know that okay um I suspect that that's what this film is I think it takes on maybe a little bit more of a meaning if you understand that context of like this is for his grandson specifically yes. and we just get the benefit from it right mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, narratively, so maybe maybe it needs to, maybe, I, I, think this, I think this is a case where it's just so personal to him, right? Similar yeah. in the way that Elemental is very personal to Peter Son, I think, yeah. that, sir, there were flaws in the plot and the logic and so on, right? But you can mm-hmm. just feel how personal it is to them, that you can't really fault them from... Maybe saying it in a bit of an abstruse way because if that's the way that they feel, it's the best way to to present that and it's so yeah, personal to them,
1: Approach it, yeah. That, I would that really, yeah.
0: I would be willing to like not understand it fully because the only one who really will understand
1: it fully is, is themselves, is yeah. themselves. Yeah.
0: So I mean, I think that's it. That that's my thought on that. My kind of. I mean, the other part on the technical side. I mean, like I said, he still has it. Like literally, the first two minutes when Myther was running into the fire and like the fire animation is all around him, I'm like, yeah. He still has it. How is he so good at this animation? So many years for
1: later? A man, for a grumpy old man, how, eighty years old. How does he still mm. have the talent to like make his stories come to life like this? It's amazing, yeah. man.
0: So yeah, I think yeah. I think that's that's where I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm coming at this one. You know, it's it's again a leg. Uh, him looking back at me as a storyteller, me as a creator. What does it mean when my world will be, or when my I can no longer create something new? Yes. Right? Plus the whole grief sublime. So mm-hmm. that's my thought on that. Hopefully, if if you are on the fence about Boy in the Hero, which I know some people are. Some people obviously, I don't have it up there with his top three films. Yeah, um, it's not top three. It's a
1: good. It's like I said. Like it, there's yeah. there's nothing wrong with this film at all. Yeah. It's really good. I enjoyed like, it, but like I felt like the story at the very. Like getting close to its end, it almost felt anticlimactic. As I said, this
0: is a film I think that can only be made at somebody who's had a career as long as he has. I think.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well deserved, you know. Yeah, well deserved. <laughs> you can
0: say whatever the hell you want. You can make whatever yeah. movie the hell you want when you've done as well as you have as me. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I have that a five out of five. That. Yeah,
1: that's 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 a four out of five for me. I, yeah. I still give it that.
0: All right, final film uh, Spider Man across the Spider Verse. You know what it is. Let's do it one more time. His name's Miles Morales. He got bit by a radioactive spider for blah, 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 a while. Blah, he's blah. the one and <laughs> only Spider Man. Anyway. So blah, blah, blah. A, so, this is the sequel to the 2018 uh, literally industry changing film. Uh, into the Spider Verse, former Oscar winner, of course. Yes, um, picks up where it left off. Miles joins Gwen Stacy, travels across the multiverse, runs into some other Spider people, including Miguel O'Hara. Um, they try to deal with the new threat of the Spot, um, deal with canon events and everything like that. Became that that was added to the pop culture lexicon for a little bit. Um. Uh, after the movie, um, it's the second in a planned trilogy. Um, the third film, Beyond the Spider Verse, uh, was originally supposed to come out next year, I think, but they ended up or this I year. Know. I think they back. Yeah, they got pushed um, back indefinitely. We don't there, know. There were, if, if we have, if we crit- if we're criticizing uh Disney for um their for for what they've been up to uh the crunch on on Spider Verse has not been pretty from what what I've heard.
1: Yeah, I know. I did hear yeah. about that. It was yeah. kind of disappointing oh. to see that and Phil Lord has a little bit of responsibility of that.
0: Yeah, so. I mean same thing as if you're in the anime Jujutsu Kaisen and, and Studio MAPPA um They've been uh also have a lot of crunch issues as well. Anyway, mm-hmm. that all aside, uh, Spider-Verse released theatrically June 2nd. It was actually supposed to come out la- uh, two years ago in 2022, but obviously COVID pushed it back. Mm-hmm. Um ended up being the third highest grossing film domestically last year, behind of course Barbenheimer, um, and the sixth highest uh grossing globally. Um it's been honored as an AFI Top Ten Film of the Year, the National Board of Review's top animated film or animated film of the year. It was nominated for the Golden Globe, BAF and it was nominated for seven Annie Awards and, it and won all, all seven them. Annie all Awards, including Best Animated Feature. Um, ratings has an 86 on Metacritic, 60 reviews, um, 95 tomato meter, 8.6 score, uh, 300, 385 reviews, and a 4.5 out of 1.5 million reviews on Letterboxd. Yes. So, Pencil, I know...
1: Ooh, boy, the I, you are, know I'm oh, a supporter of... You're Exper- a supporter. Yes. Two um, here, though. I, yes. Want, I
0: want to be able to talk about this film separate from... From the first film, right? Obviously, yes. the first film. Literally, I feel like in the future when textbooks are written about the, f- the animation history, there will be entire chapters. Yes, there will TV
1: literally be a t- a whole chapter into in, the Spider Verse. Yes. I want to talk to
0: you about across the Spider Verse, though. Yes. So, p- putting that aside, obviously, ah. great film. I enjoyed it five out of five. Right? Yes. um Where did it? What did it do well? And I want to also ask you, where did it maybe fall short?
1: I don't think it fell short on anything. I really didn't. I, I I personally feel like these are one of these rare sequels you see do good like Toy Story. And that says a lot. You know, a lot of films that I've seen from sequels did not do what Toy Story did, or did not do what Shrek did. And I fell in love with every single minute of that film. I waited so long for that film to come out. I that was the first ticket I I was on it and watching that movie in theaters is a beautiful experience. It was like I did not want that film to end. And when you have that feeling of a film not wanting to end, that is where you did good, man. Like, that is. Across the Spider Verse was such a, pun intended, Marvel. (laughs) Was such a Marvel at, you know, creating different worlds and different styles and. Having such a complicated, uh, a comp a complicated backgrounds, but made sense in so many ways. When you go to different earths of all these Spider Men and Women, it's it, and it just Spider-Punk, it was amazing.
0: Spider Punk was 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 probably the best character for me. Spider Punk,
1: everybody loves Spider Punk. Yeah. He was actually he was the most difficult he was the most difficult to do technical wise. He, that was yeah. a lot. They had to do a lot of work on him. And I I will say me personally, that is evolution to animation. If you can do something like that, like spider punk, I know that had to take months, years, even to create that type of style for him, for Hobie. And it, it's, just thinking about it now, and I was just watching, like, going to different segments of the film a couple of days ago. I I just this the this film really does inspire me. It it just as a series as a whole, like into the Spider Verse and across the Spider Verse. Those films really do inspire me to be a director. Like they really they really show that anything in animation is so possible and the independent or not independent the dependence on disney should go away now i think that me personally that's what they were trying to prove that Mm. there are so many animated films in every walks of the earth every walks of life and Disney should not be the only one taking the the trophy or sitting on that throne of entertainment. No, there's more than just that. There's more than Disney. There's more than Pixar. There's even more than DreamWorks. You know it. And Sony has been putting out hit after hit after hit, and it. it I I I think that. Me personally, this this next film beyond the Spiderver- Spider-Verse is probably going to be the bet- better than all of them. I really hope that they put all this work right now as crunchy as it may sounds, when it comes to the animation employees. I know it's tough, but Across the Spider-Verse did so well to the point where I'm so positive that the third and final installment will be better than all three. Just like Toy Story, you know, and like I said, that says a lot. You know, it's a masterpiece, just like its predecessor. A masterpiece, of a, a a it's a chef's kiss. It's yeah, it's a full course meal. It's ratatouille. It's it's like, it, it's so good. And I and like once I saw this film, I was like, Oscar winner. That's it. Calling it. Calling it Oscar winner? What? I don't care. Oscar, just call. I called it putting my chips on the table. I'm calling it. You know, it. This is gonna be our years Oscar. I know there's a there's a battle. I've seen it. There's a battle between the boy and the heron and Spider Verse. I personally feel that Spider Verse is gonna win the Oscar this year.
0: Yeah. So for me, right? I think. Obviously, right, like Hobie, uh, like you mentioned, super impressive. Like I- I've heard it, and I kind of agree. Essentially, they took everything that was like innovative about uh, aqu- uh into the Spider Verse, kind of dialed it up to eleven, basically. Right, they they just kind of went yes. overboard. Like the 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 Vulture that came in that and and uh, and attacked from the other world, and like his design style was was awesome. You know, and you um- see
1: Miguel just take the screen all the time and just yeah, looking like at him of, was just I, I could not stop staring
0: think, at him. Technical elements I think was good. I think personally maybe and this might be a perception thing. I think for example the jump from what had been before to what had been after the original spy the first Spider-Verse mm-hmm. was a like literally a a continental shift, right? Yes. I think the jump from the first Spider-Verse to this Spider-Verse not quite as big, right? It's like okay. maybe like a country size shift because they're still working in the same space, right? right? And so, for me, maybe maybe this is me being a little bit hipster or whatever. Maybe it's me feeling that you know, sir, they made a big jump the first time, and I think I feel like maybe some of the the love for this film is kind of the carryover effect from just seeing how much impact the first one actually had on the industry is yes. even more than just a single Oscar can can maybe be worth for it basically okay um I didn't think that I I didn't think the technological leap was perhaps as big perhaps as the first one so maybe that's why I'm a little bit not as hype about it as some people are in, in terms of that element
1: yeah, I saw like there were there's a lot of people that were like you know how much of it say, is the they first say, was good, but, yeah. yeah 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 it was a lot of not a to lot to say of it's not good right that. yeah
0: you're just thinking about, again, what do you want to reward? Technical, technological improvement, technological skill, and a narrative stuff. Narrative-wise, I think it was a fine story. It was a great story. Um, yeah. I think some people maybe are disappointed that it was kind of like a cliffhanger ending, and they didn't actually resolve the entire arc, basically. Yeah. Um, though I think also, if you think about the story as a Gwen Stacy story, predominantly, right? Yeah. Um, and kind of her character arc, I think that's a little bit more satisfying, though. Yeah. Again, that's more in the marketing department for not really selling that as I well. I love
1: the fact that that film was two hours in yeah. a way, because that was the first time I've ever seen a Western animated film be two hours long. That was something that I've I don't think I've, I don't think myself or anyone has ever seen.
0: Yeah.
1: Before the the, the we can fact it was all worth it. Yes, yeah, it was definitely
0: worth the two hours. Yes, it
1: was definitely worth that
0: yeah um and again the other criticism is just the crunch right i mean you know miyazaki's film was originally scheduled to come out in 2020 for the olympics um Mm -hmm. but he's like nope i'm going to push it back until it's good right kind of wish quality
1: over quantity i kind of wish that they
0: could do that with these films just so that the animators don't have to deal with the crunch right that's like probably the biggest knock on this film right um, other than that like it's again I'm not saying it's not a great film 5 out of 5 I will say I think the narrative structure the narrative for me personally right and it sounds like yeah. you maybe disagree a little bit um, mm-hmm. on the narrative of, of Boy and the Heron I personally found the narrative of Boy and the Heron a little bit stronger right um, yeah
1: yeah.
0: and then the other part is if you're looking at it like a legacy award type where like part of this is you know carryover effect from the first Spider-Verse versus the entire history of Miyazaki, right? It's like, well, that's, like, very, very hard to judge, which is more which is more disturbing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I see. So,
0: anyway, again, five out of five. Don't want to take anything away from the film. I mean, I pity any animated film that comes out against Beyond the Spider-Verse, because that is going yeah. to be a hard film <laughs> to win. Yeah, that's good.
1: So maybe that's, when maybe Spider-Verse maybe is reason. around, that's going to be a hard competition. Maybe that's another
0: reason why I'm, like, maybe hope-dicting that, like, oh, maybe it should go to Boy and the Heron, because, uh, um, because They're you know this change literally that. might yeah. be Miyazaki's last chance versus knowing for sure we're gonna get another Spider Verse movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, overall, uh, ask you first: Who do you think will win, and who do you want to win?
1: Who do I? Who, it's kind of both. Like, who do I want to win? Is Spider Verse, and who will win? Spider Verse. I'm sticking my guns to that because I know The Boy in the Heron is a, a lovely, beautifully crafted film. But I I don't know, maybe I relate to the story more or not the maybe. story, but just the technical side of that of that more because of how influential the first one was first to me. The first one was, yeah. And, yeah, I just, that, 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 that I'm still speechless to this yeah. day.
0: <laughs> For me, I would probably go with who should win, I'm going to say Robot Dreams. Um Mostly, I think it has, I think that one has the strongest narrative. Of yeah, this, of, I was going to say one.
1: that. If Boy in the Heron was, I was there. Robot Dreams.
0: Yeah, um, and then I think who's, who will win? I'm going to go against the grain. I still think that Boy in the hair. Boy in the hair Especially with momentum from BAFTAs gotcha. uh, and, and so on. So we'll see. Um, all right. We're already at one hour and 20 minutes. We still have to talk about animated sorts. But let's take five minutes real quick. And I'm going to it at five minutes. Uh, other potential animated films. There were 33 films eligible for the Oscars, for the animated Oscars this year, which is apparently the highest ever number of animated films. Um, I'm not going to list all of them out, but just some that caught my eye throughout the year. Um, And then feel free to chime in on any of these. There's the anime film Blue Giant, um, Mm -hmm. Chicken Run, Uh, Donald the Nugget sat out to Mm. the first Chicken Run, the highest grossing stop motion film of all time. What came out before the animated film was a category. So it very well could have won had had the animated come out a year before. Yeah, a year Um,
1: before it would have won, yeah for sure. Yeah.
0: Deep Sea, um, which is a Chinese animated film, looks amazing from the trailers I can see. Could cannot find it anywhere to save my life. Um First Slam Dunk, uh First Slam Dunk, um an anime film that uses like weird like 3D-ish 2D animation. Um have you seen this one or no?
1: No, I have not. I have not okay. seen First Slam. Strongly
0: recommend, it, especially if you were ever in the basketball at any point in your life. It is a, such a fun film to watch. Um, one of my best theatrical experiences, actually, of last year. Yes. Um, let's see. Leo, I haven't seen this, but I know you watched it. And you actually, Loki, was really good.
1: I, I I really did love this film. It was such... It, it's not the... You, okay, it's not the best well-looking animated film, I will say that. The editing is... Mm, and the songs are pretty Sesame Street. But uh, <laughs> Leo is... Adam Sandler really does care about, you know, family entertainment. He really does care about kids and how to like different ways of approaching, you know, growing up. Him and Robert Smigel, you know, wrote this film together and I really do appreciate what he what they both did. Um yeah, this this film was
0: worth checking out at least.
1: Yes, it's worth checking out. I will say that
0: Awesome, awesome. Keeping it moving. Migration. I didn't see this one. This I is love a DreamWorks migration. New film. You, know,
1: I, you know, I joked on Discord out with a lot of people that I was like, I'd rather put migration to replace elemental. I'm, that was a, a very honest, and it wasn't even a joke, actually. Migration was a very good experience. And I was like, Illumination is over here you know, actually doing stuff now? Like, oh my God, you know.
0: They're trying, they're trying. They're, they're um, trying. I mean, it made $100 million, I want to say domestically. Yeah, it made $100 million domestically. Yeah, they
1: brought themselves back up. It was yeah. a slow ride, but they got themselves back up, Yeah, and I appreciate it.
0: Uh, well, I mean, they also had Super Mario Bros. early in the year, so. Oh yeah, that, um, that,
1: that, that oh Jesus. That yeah. movie Anyways. was great. <laughs>
0: Moving on the list, we have The Monkey King, which, you know, was... Oh, uh,
1: let's talk about that. Okay. So that's so, from pro
0: studios. It's the same studio who did Over the Moon a couple yes. years ago, which was an Oscar nominated. Did you like The Monkey King?
1: I'm going to tell you and the viewers this right now. I'm going to tell you this. I watched 20 minutes of that movie, and I cut it off immediately.
0: All right. So you did not like it. <laughs>
1: I hated every single minute of it. It almost felt very stereotypical ah, and yeah. it was not funny. It was low key annoying. It felt like I was watching a cow and chicken episode, but they, if they were in Asia and okay. it was, it's like, it's very disrespectful <laughs> Right. It would like all the right. well, it, it was horrible.
0: Alright, we'll move on then. Um the peasants. Did you get a chance to watch the peasants? I've
1: heard of the peasants, but okay. I have not seen it. So
0: I watched it actually. I was I was fortunate enough. Um Dakota from Conva Zoom Pod, uh he got me a screener for it so I could write a review for his site. That review will be up at some point in the in the next couple of uh in the next couple of weeks or so. Peasants, uh it's from the same team who did Loving Vincent. Did you watch that one?
1: Oh oh my god. I gotta put yeah. that on my schedule too. I yeah. have so, not seen Loving Vincent. So,
0: Loving Vincent Oscar nominated film yes. they literally hand painted tens of thousands of frames. Oil oil painted, tens of thousands of frames. Um, Loving Vincent was obviously done in Vincent Van Gogh style, um, post-impressionism. This one was done in a Polish art movement style called Young Poland. Um, And obviously, like Loving Vincent, referenced some of Van Gogh's films. This referenced some some portraits from... um, from, uh, from the young, young Poland Art Movement. Um, yeah. and in addition, it adapts the story of the peasants, uh, which was like a 1904 novel from Poland, won, the, won its author the Nobel uh, Prize for Literature. Um, and, you know, at my current company, there are some people who, we have an office in Poland, so I asked some people about it. They'd seen okay. it, obviously, also, because it was really big over there. And it's the kind of novel that, like, literally everyone reads uh, in high school, basically. You right. would
1: think that the peasants would get nominated as well. You would. I again, mean, I'm, I'm kind of
0: surprised, that. but I mean, I, I'm guessing it was between that and uh, and and Robot Dreams, kind of like that 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 art yeah. house plot. Uh, I'm not upset by it. Uh, peasants, kind of a tough watch, right? It's very. It kind of speaks to like my as my Polish coworker said, speaks to some of the problems within Polish society, right? Yes. Um, you know, framed through, you know, um from, you know, obviously this this older period um of of these peasants like living life as farmers, this one uh, girl who's kind of like married off for a dowry basically and so on. Um so I mean it's very beautifully done, you know, very hard to watch, but also very um very I, I'll say in addition to the just breathtaking animation, I think also the sound the soundtrack and the soundtrack score for this one expertly mm-hmm. done as well um nice. has a really great score to it um i think it's it's it was like composed by like this this electronic music um artist from poland but mixed in like classical Polish like folk songs mm. as well that's nice uh so definitely check out the peasants if you can um let's see ruby gilman i love Tots. ruby gilman I, okay, you know this, what's
1: sad i went to the theaters and watched it and it was only like six people in there yeah, but no, i, I, I love i love though. ruby gilman that was such a such a cute little story. I I, right. I know it was very basic, and it was very like.
0: I mean, it was never very gonna, predictable, gonna but I, I love it. I love. <laughs> All right, man. you love any anime. You love most anime, Sam.
1: So. Yes, um, I do. Cool.
0: Okay, Super Mario Brothers movie. It sounds like you enjoyed it. Oh, uh, I, I
1: oh my god, they were putting, out. They were putting Disney to justice. Like yeah. I, I really enjoyed the. Even the artists of that of that film and other people, like that, they purposefully re- review bombed that film because of just the money that it, they were making. Well, I it, mean,
0: so it it did end up being the second highest grossing film globally, yeah. right? Um, I enjoyed the film as a Nintendo fan. I think thinking of it, I think thinking in terms of like you know my leather hat on it was like an okay plot. And it was, I think it was a good plot if you were a Nintendo fan. Yes. Otherwise absolutely. I think it's like, and I'm a Nintendo fan yeah. too. That's why I loved it. So yeah. Right. If you, if I think, I think as a standalone movie goer, it was, it wasn't like the most complex or groundbreaking film narratively. Right. And why um, should it be? It's, it's it doesn't have to be right. It, it, it serves a different purpose. I don't think it would, it would be quote, unquote artistic enough for the Oscars or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, it was still a, a good enough time. People got um, mad
1: that Peaches wasn't nominated, and that was replaced yeah. with Diane Warren. And yeah, I mean Diane Warren always has a spot, that. so you can't you can't blame him for
0: that. <laughs> um, let's see, did you watch Suzume?
1: Suzume, I've seen so many people talk about it. I've never sat down and okay, watched it. So
0: Suzume, I watched this one, another anime film. It's by Makoto Shinkai, who did Your Name. Yes, Your um, Name. And uh yeah, I mean it's it's in a similar vein. It's kind of Makoto Sinkai kind of makes the same film every time since your name basically. Pretty uh much. this is very much in that same vein. I mean, it's a beautiful film, got a Golden Globe nomination. Not his best work, frankly speaking. And if there was only going to be one right. anime film, I think it probably should have been of the Hero. So yeah. Um, but definitely worth watching. I mean, I just like all of Makoto Shinkai's films. It it kind of deals um kind of with the idea of of. Of, you know, obviously he has like a, a whole environmental thing to him I think he also directly tackles specifically the after effects of the Tohoku um, tsunami and earthquake from from almost a decade ago at this point basically okay. so that's kind of like an element of the film as well um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem
1: uh, I honestly I mm, it's at first I really didn't want to watch this film at all because I don't really like Seth Rogen like that. But okay. I was like, well, it has Jeff Rowe in it. It is directed by Jeff Rowe. He co directed Mitchell's versus the Machines. So I was like, okay, let's give it a shot. It's not that bad. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all, they were a little bit annoying. I will say that. The script felt very forced. Um, what
0: about the animation style? What do you think of The about
1: animation that? style literally is, you know, paying homage to what we just called literally the movie that will be in the, ch- will have its own Spider chapter. Effect, yes, absolutely. I,
0: it, I think it, it, did, it did have a little bit of its own different style, right? A but I did more. like
1: how dirty and gritty it looked. I, I, think will say that. I think
0: that's the point though, because it's like, they were literally turtles living in the sewer. They have to be kind yes. of gritty, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I will say, I did appreciate, I think mean, this is a very New York specific thing. Like, they were definitely like very, it felt very New York, right? It focused more so like yeah. most other Teenage Mutant ninja Turtles will focus more on the mutant part and the ninja and the turtle part. This mm-hmm. one definitely focused more on the teenage part, I think. Yes, um, I did I like the concept
1: of like them actually being teenagers. Yeah,
0: uh, apparently what they did for the voice acting here was they actually, instead of normally voice acting, you have each actor vo- record separately in a booth by themselves. Mm-hmm. Here, they actually got all four of the, the Turtle kids who were all newcomers, basically. And they just had yeah. them in one room together, just riffing with each other, basically. Yeah, And one of them uh,
1: played Gumball for a while.
0: Oh, okay. So, I mean, I appreciate that they they had that. It had that New York energy, I think, to it. Yeah. Um, which, again, as someone who lives in New York, I definitely appreciate. Um, let's see. They saw The Piano Player. I don't know if you watched this one. This mm-hmm. was a documentary about this, like, Assassinated uh, Bossa Nova player, and it's narrated by Jeff Goldblum. Honestly, I, w- I watched this at Doc NYC, kind of disappointed actually. It's more so about the author who wrote this article about the uh, assassinated Bossa Nova player than the actual oh, Bossa Nova wow. player himself, which Eh, I mean, part of it was interesting where they not used to like, uh, insert yourself in a, in a story yeah exactly that's already
1: talking about somebody exactly so
0: I I I give this one the pass um trolls yeah. w- trolls world did you watch that one B- band together
1: s- it's people said it's very kiddie I'm like yeah I'm I'm not really okay. into that and then last I mean, one but I-, I do love what they did with the the thing I love about DreamWorks is like they're really trying to push themselves more technically. I love the character designs of that film. I really do right. love what they look like. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then last one, Wish. Uh, wish, I, it I had did a know a whole... very bad reputation. Did you not like it or not, not like it?
1: I... Wish was the most disappointing film I've seen from Disney as a whole. And Worse than that, uh, What
0: was the one from last year? Or the year before? Strange the World. Yeah, Strange World. That's it.
1: It was like... I just I wrote like paragraphs on my letterbox of just how disappointed I was. It's like it looks good, but the story, the narrative is just awful it I just you waited you know I've waited so long. It's 100th a hundredth anniversary. Film. It's a hundredth anniversary, like that. I was really getting very sentimental of that. You know, I've watched Disney films my entire life, and watching this film in theaters and having these songs be as unmemorable as Strange World itself, it's 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 it was very disappointing. Nah. I, I I would not recommend that film to anybody. Well, really.
0: I have Disney. I I got Disney Plus for two or three months just to watch the stuff for the Oscars. So yeah. I may watch it anyway just to take advantage of. Having I mean, yeah, it
1: watch it and just you know just soak that in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so, uh, I will. Alright, so those are the films that maybe could have been nominated, but we're not. Um, Alright, we're at over an hour and a half, so let's kind of speed through this last... Uh, gotcha. yeah, let's, yeah, be, yeah. let's have the animated sorts be a sort discussion. Yes. Um, so there are five sorts. If you have not seen them yet, if you go to... If you look up the Oscar so- sorts programs from Sorts TV, mm-hmm. um, these might be playing in your local theater. I watched mine at the IFC Center yesterday. Um, okay. And so they're all there, plus a couple actually a couple, two others, which I'm not. we're not going to talk about here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Uh, In alphabetical order, I'm just going to go through all of them real quick, and we can kind of have a free-form conversation about all of them in general. Um, First up, we have Letter to a Pig, directed by Tal Cantor and Amit R. DeSelter. On Memorial Day, a Holocaust survivor reads a letter he wrote to the pig who saved his life to a classroom full of teenagers. While listening to his testimony, a young schoolgirl sinks into a twisted dream where she confronts questions of collective trauma, memory, and identity. Uh, next up, we had 95 Cents," directed by Jared Hess and Jerusa Hess. Um, an inmate on death row reflects on his own mistakes while facing his own mortality. Um, third, we have Our Uniform, directed by Yegane uh, Moghadam. Um, an Iranian girl unfolds her school memories on the wrinkles and fabrics of her old uniform. Uh, fourth, we have Pachyderm, mm. directed by Stephanie Clement. Mm. A subtle narrative about a young girl's survival of childhood abuse. Um, and then finally, we have "Wars Over," inspired the music of John and Yoko, directed by Dave Mullins, and story by Son Ono Lennon, the son of both Yoko, John yes. and Yoko. Um, in an alternate World War One reality, a heroic pigeon delivers messages across the battlefield from one side to the other. The messages are exchanged by two soldiers on opposite sides who, unaware of who their opponent is, are playing a game of chess against each other. Uh, notably, this one was animated by Weta Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, notably absent from this list is Once Upon a Studio, which is kind of Disney's uh, Ooh, Disney's boy. 100-year celebration yeah, of, that of all the was films.
1: a very sad... That was a very sad... When I was when I was watching the nominations, I saw no Once Upon a, I was very well, you, devastated. You wish, once,
0: upon a, once Upon a Studio had, had made it, do you think it was actually good?
1: I thought it was beautiful. I really did. That was probably the best thing that Disney has done in years. I really, uh, they don't I really, get
0: anything for their anime. For and their they did not colleges. get
1: anything. They did not... I, I, you know, it's crazy. I follow the the co-director Dan Abraham. He, um, I, I, I kind of just spoke to him a little bit. I was like, "Man, sorry that your short didn't get nominated." He was like, "That's fine. You know that making it was worth it." And I was like, "Yeah, I get you, man." But going off the animated short films here, uh, "Letter to a Pig." Start off with that. I actually really like that one. I love, remember years ago when I said that there are some shorts that make up for not making sense? In a way, this short film does make sense because we're talking about a Holocaust survivor. But when it comes to going inside the mind of the teenager, it almost, it almost, you think that it really doesn't make sense at all. But in a way, it's all up in an interpretation of how you would you know, see what's going on. And I loved I feel like a lot of the animated shorts. And this is I will say this is the most I feel like this is the most darkest of all yeah. you know, of this year's animated short film. This is that definitely I mean it
0: deals with the Holocaust. I mean it's gonna be dark. Um I will say for Letter to a Pig, I think I personally, I think, had a little bit of trouble with it, mostly because so it's like mostly black and white, right? Yeah. Um And mostly dealing in the negative space, so it's mostly white um, mm-hmm. with like black lines on it. Um, unfortunately, that means that the subtitles on my in my screwing were barely legible because they were white oh, text wow. on there. So that was kind of more on the on the on the, on that element of it. It was like I, it was hard for me to focus on that. Um, I don't know. I think like. The animation during like the reading section, like the way that the faces were drawn, or like yes, they had like it was bits of like hands yeah, coming in, yeah. that was, like, a little distracting. Um, and then it was harder for me to kind of like really get at what he they were trying to say about the pig and what the pig represented and all that. That is right? true.
1: I did kind of get confused of what the yeah. pig as a whole represented as a whole story. You know, but like I said, that like when it comes to you know. Short films such as this one, it makes up for not making sense because it looks good because of the the hard work that you know the director you yeah. know wanted to put for forward yeah. for this film. I, I really yeah. like Letter to a Pig ninety five cent. I will say
0: Letter. I also to a Pig. I think of the five, I think they will have maybe the least interesting animation for me personally.
1: Okay, that yeah. that yeah, I, that, I I can see that. But yeah. ninety-five, so 95 senses, senses, I I really did enjoy this short. I was very, I actually kind of cried when I, as this old man is just talking about,
0: yeah, it this, unveils what happens.
1: Unveils what happens through talking about senses. That was the most poetic thing I have seen in a while, and yeah. it, it's. Especially like you know, hearing Tim Robbins's voice, you know, it's it's it fits so well. And fun fact: this couple directed and wrote Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, and really? Yes, they did. And it was one of my it was one of my favorite films at the time. Well, and we'll, I really we'll hope be glad they win. Be, I really we'll do. We'll be glad
0: to know they have another film coming out yeah, this it's year called on
1: Minecraft. No, no, they one have
0: a film the... of the unicorn.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Thelma and the Unicorn, and then Jared is directing Minecraft.
0: Oh, interesting. That's that, yeah. That, that that's looking really great for them. You know, this is definitely yeah. like a step on the path for them. I think this this Oscar win yeah. for them. Yeah, Thelma um, and the Unicorn.
1: I did hear a lot about that.
0: Yeah, I will say, yeah, ninety five cents honestly of all of these five, I think, I think is my favorite. A winner. Yeah, uh, I think I I want this one to win. I think. Yes,
1: I think. Um, yeah,
0: I don't know if it will win, but I definitely want it to win. Yeah, I um, yeah yeah yeah. I think yeah. I think one we didn't mention yet. Yeah, he talks about the five senses, and each sense ha- is done by a different team of animators. Yes. So each sense that. has a different visual style to them, which I think is really clever. Um, and yeah, like you said, over time you kind of like reveal what's going like looking back on the film, like the first sense he talks about is sight. And he's talking about like, Oh, I've never had a cell phone, but kids these Mm -hmm. days that you know, have like, you know, the the eyesight's more myopic than ever, which definitely guilty of. But then you realize later on in the film, looking back why he doesn't have a cell phone because he's been in jail. It's like, Oh shit. Yeah. And then you realize why he was been in jail. Right. And what led him to being in jail. Right. Like there was even like a little bit of social commentary about like the prison incarceration system in here as well. Right. So yeah, that's a, this is a this is probably my favorite film of the five. Yeah, our uniform.
1: Um, I will say it was pretty boring. I do love what they what they did it was, technically.
0: The it was the least interesting. Huh?
1: Yeah, it was very. Eh, it was. But very I think
0: animation wise, it was the most interesting. I think.
1: yeah, it was the most interesting
0: because uh, it, it, it's mixed media, right? It's like yes, the, very mixed. The clothes plus the animation and how it interacts with folding and all that—that that was really cool. I think, and I think yeah. on a pure technical level, I think our uniform is the best one.
1: Yeah. Pachyderm um, was the most I I'm still kind of stunned of the funny story well as I was watching Pachyderm my supervisor at work was like you know sitting right next to me and we were watching it together and
0: I was going to say you're watching this while you while you're supposed to be Yeah, at work. I was at
1: work. You know, it, you know, well my job is pretty kind of lenient with that because I'm just okay. working as a mailman so like it's it's kinda, we we get our breaks but Yeah, my supervisor and I were watching this, and when we saw this film and what it, the the subliminal messages that were that that was that was being portrayed in this film, my supervisor immediately knew what was happening, because all that all that short film is is just metaphor. It's just a metaphor.
0: It's like it, it seems normal. Yeah. yeah, it almost seems honestly like kind of like sweet at first. Yes, and then you realize like it, the question is how long does it take for you into the film to realize what's really going on without exactly. without to it. Um, I think that would lessen the effect if you go and watch it. But um, it's definitely I think it's kind of like if letter it's very similar to Letter of to a Pig where it's very subtle. I think in what it's trying to say. Yeah, I think Letter of the Pig was a little too subtle. Um, what you mm-hmm. couldn't really, like, there's a very good chance you don't get what's going on. Pachyderm is like, by the end, you shouldn't get it. it it's it's subtle enough that it's not obvious. Yeah, but once you should you get, get it, it by now. The obvious. difference
1: between Letter and the Pig and Pachyderm is like, there was this buildup. Letter, yeah. Letter of the Pig doesn't really have that type of buildup that Pachyderm did, like and I that, think also yeah.
0: Pachyderm's art style fits into it, where it's like this fairy tale story, like this idyllic fairy tale story um, art style, right? Like a, yes. like a fairy tale book, and then, uh, and then like that height was going on underneath.
1: Yeah, I love, I love what I, I love the fuzziness of that whole short film. I love what
0: yeah. horror film.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then finally we have you
0: know War is Over, probably the most crowd pleasing of the film. I mean
1: Yeah, narratively there's it's very a lot of simple. hate. There's a lot of you know honestly, there is a lot of hate for this short film. Like I've been I seeing mean, it's, a it's lot very, of people hate it.
0: It's very simple. It's very kind of uh I mean it feel it gives uh it's giving a uh Kardashian with Pepsi uh ending <laughs> conflict vibe to it. Um yeah. but I don't think it's an unfair criticism. I mean, you know it's it's hard to tackle the complexities of war in like a in like a, a 15 minute sort or whatever yeah. um could it could, is it a little bit like simplistic and like the idea that oh you sing this one song war is over that will yeah. end war a little simplistic right um i pers-
1: one, yeah i personally think that war is over you know it's a cute film it's a it's a it's a decently you know it's, yeah, like you said, it's a cute film. And, you know, being a Beatles fan myself and, you know, following John Lennon's career and, you know, seeing his, you know, marriage. The thing that I really did think about it was like, this is really paying a lot of, you know, love and respect still to this day to his father, you know, yeah. Sean's father, John. And, you know, it, I think and I did say in my head, I was like, John Lennon would have loved this.
0: Oh, he would have, yeah.
1: yeah. He would have really did, because that's really what he was fighting for you know, at that time when he was alive. So there's a little bit of a bias of just me loving this film a lot more because I he love John Lennon more, and I love War. In- he would
0: have liked it more than Gal Gadot singing Imagine in him.
1: Yeah, oh God. Um, oh my. I will also
0: say, right, like it's kind of cool that they were using Unreal Engine and all that to animate this. Yeah, I did like,
1: Unreal Engine. Yeah, I thought yeah, that that's was pretty cool. interesting. Um, yeah. The poor pigeon, right,
0: deserves an Oscar. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, not the, not the most complex film either narratively or, artist- or or animation-wise. I think there are other films for that. Yes. But it definitely, I think, is the most... Yeah, it's a crowd-pleaser. It's very,
1: very marketable. So yeah. who should win? Me, personally, it's 95 senses. Yep. And here, who will win here. is probably War is Over.
0: Yeah, I could see yeah, a it's world... sad, of- yeah. I could see a world where, given the current political climate, Letter to a Pig maybe gets a boost there. I
1: did I did think about that, Letter to yeah. a Pig. Yeah. The, other side,
0: the other one, I think... Uh, that aside, I think Pachyderm actually yeah, might, Pachyderm. Be, might be really good there, I think.
1: yeah,
0: uh, But yeah, I, I agree. 95 cents is the one I really want to win. Yeah, I don't I think really it has a really 10% win. chance of winning. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, closing questions. Thoughts on animated films overall? I know you're probably most down on Elemental overall, but still overall just a good year, right?
1: Overall, this year, I was, this whole year, I was praising. Uh, Animated films that were outside of Disney's radar. I was really praising that because this is something that needed to happen in a way. Because, like I said, the dependency on Disney was so high that we tend to forget that there is more art yeah. and more great storytelling when you finally open that window and smell the fresh air of just good content. Yeah. I mean, and, I don't. Yeah. I don't
0: think you're ever gonna get a year without a Disney nominated film, right? Right. Um, unless they completely, but... unless they completely collapse, which I don't yes. think even those is ever gonna, is gonna happen. Yeah, that's never gonna. That being said, yeah, I think they are. They're definitely showing that there is a lot of more upcoming challengers, right? Yes. Um, which is good, and I mean, of the Disney films that came out. I think Elemental is probably the best one to get the nomination from what yeah. I've heard. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's all it's all it's uh, it's it's a good slate. I think. Um yeah. I would have loved to see Joe Hisashi get a nomination outside of this. I would have loved to see actually I would love to see Thomas Newman get a, a, a score nomination as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that is what it is. Yeah, but um, this year
1: has been very great, and I I, I just I I <laughs> this this year has been such. A reflection of, you know, what what what's gonna happen, and what like what surge that's gonna be built from this, and I hope it continues. Yeah,
0: animated film, animated film fans are eating good right now.
1: I know they they um, very much is. As...
0: Speaking of, let's go through some of the upcoming animated films. Um, I'm uh, just just give me a thumb. Uh, excited or not excited for each of these films coming up? Okay. Um, Despicable Me four.
1: Not excited.
0: All right. Well, it's gonna make a billion dollars anyway. I know. Um, uh, After migration,
1: I was like, yeah, they're gonna fall apart again. Yeah.
0: There's um the day the Earth blew up, which is a a Looney Tunes film coming out. Oh my god. Um, R.I.P. to Coyote versus Acme. Yes. Um, Hopefully, there's a happy ending there, but it's not looking like it right now. Um, thumbs it, but but for day the Earth blew up, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs down. I I'd rather
1: have Coyote versus Acme. To be honest. Fair
0: enough. Um, there is Dragon Keeper, which I don't know if you know about this one. This is interesting. It's a no, Spanish-Chinese animated film, okay. actually, which is interesting. Or hmm. So thumbs up, thumbs down, no, or I'll TBD? I'll give it a thumbs
1: up. I'll give it a th- – or TBD. Yeah, TBD. Okay,
0: the term, TBD. Yeah. Uh, fixed, the, the Gendry Tarlikovsky I'm very film. excited for that. Thumbs right, up. Fixed. Very excited. Uh, we have the Garfield movie with Chris Pratt. Eh,
1: mid. I'm mid with that.
0: All right. All right. Uh, mixed animation, but uh, Harold and the Purple Crayon.
1: I'm excited. I'm very excited for that because Carlos, you know, he directed Rio. And uh, I uh, okay. yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see what he does with this one. All right.
0: Uh, we have The Imaginary, uh, which was actually an, an-, an anime film from Japan. It came out late last year um, by Studio Ponak, uh, who is led by a former Studio Ghibli animator. Okay. The Imaginary. So I'm excited for okay. that. I'll,
1: I'll, okay. I'll say I'll thumbs right. up for that. Going back
0: to Disney. Inside excited, Out 2. Not excited. It, really? Not excited. All right. I'm I see a lot of people are excited to, for this one, I, I, so we'll see. <laughs> Do you think it gets an Oscar nomination?
1: If it does, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: All right. Uh, Kung Fu Panda Four. I. I mm, coming out in like two weeks. It's
1: coming so. out. I'm. I'm still gonna watch it, but I'm just like, eh. I'm. I'm excited, but not. All right,
0: anime film. Lord of the Rings, War of the Rohirrim.
1: I'm actually very interested into what this film is going to be. I'm actually excited for this one.
0: Okay. Um, Moana 2, originally a Disney Plus TV series, which they are reworking to a Thanksgiving release opposite Wicked. Not excited. All right. Uh, well, you also know that Moana is literally the most streamed movie uh, I know. For, like every year, <laughs> so this is gonna make bank. I know um, it's we've make watched bang. this one already. Orion, yes, Orion in, the dark. in the dark.
1: I love that movie. I love that movie so much.
0: All right, uh, give give you a quick pitch on it. It's, I know it's Charlie Kaufman, but that's yeah. Charlie
1: it. Kaufman is a, is a genius. So basically, this story is about a little boy um going through not only his fear of the darkness, but the fear of life itself. and darkness or you know i guess his name is dark he he teaches him that a lot of things are okay you know and facing the fear of darkness isn't so bad and it goes deeper it really does go deeper into like how we eternalize our own fears and how we grow up from it and The thing that I love about this film is how, you know, we have different, you know, time skips of our protagonist's life. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, and um, I just really do appreciate what DreamWorks did and gave Charlie Kaufman a chance to literally pop off. And I feel like films like that, that are written by, you know, very well-known screenwriters like Charlie... You know, I feel like we need to go to that step of animation of being a lot more specific of what we want to say. And Orion in the Dark was just that. So, yes, I love that.
0: All right, Spellbound, which is the long, like, in, been in production for a while, but it's yeah. uh, John Lasseter, Alan Menken originally Skydance Media, but they actually moved it from Apple TV to Netflix later yeah, this year.
1: I did hear about that. Um, Spellbound, I'm not really excited for that. I wasn't really excited from Luck at all. I'm, eh, I'm not really. We'll excited. see if
0: they can, if Alan Menken can, can save this one. Hmm. I, uh, let's see. Thelma and the Unicorn. We, Thelma the Unicorn. We talked about same directing team as Ninety Five Senses coming out on Netflix.
1: I'll give it a shot. I'm not really that excited for it, but you know, I'll 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 check it out. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Uh,
0: this one's already out. Tiger's Apprentice, based on a young adult novel. Um, it's currently on Paramount Plus. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm actually planning on seeing it. It's kind of like another one to add to the Asian American canon. Yeah. Uh, which seems interesting. For Wasn't
1: me. really interested in it. I just feel like you know, there's a different. There's a little. I have a like certain taste when it comes to like because Mm -hmm. of Spider Verse, you know, literally melting it in my tongue. So you want the two and a
0: half? You really like the two and a half the animation stuff.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a watch. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll see what they did with this one because you know the Monkey King was literally a disaster. So I, I still give films a shot. So Tiger Princess, I'll say a thumbs up.
0: Okay, Um, we have. That Christmas, so it's directed by Simon Otto, who was How to Save Your Dragon character animator. Um, coming to Netflix, it is from uh, I believe Locksmith Animation. Yes, um, their previous film was Ron's Gone Wrong, mm-hmm. um, but uh, this is a this is a directorial debut coming to Netflix.
1: Yes, I'm very excited for uh, that film, and I love Simon Otto. He, you know, was a DreamWorks animator, a 2D DreamWorks animator. He's he's worked with James Baxter, you know, literally for a decade and I, I just really and he also did directed uh love and robot short film so i'm very oh, okay. excited to see what he does with this one this, this is his directorial debut so i'm very excited to see this
0: all right uh we have transformers one i am very anime, excited to see
1: film. this one I'm, I'm a transformers buff that's all you need to know <laughs>
0: Awesome. uh we have ultraman rising another anime film coming out of Japan. of i'm very I'm excited to see, to see, one.
1: see this one
0: Alright, coming to Netflix and then yes. uh Wild Robot. So this oh, is by Chris Sanders. Yes, very excited Little to see that. Director, yeah. How to Train Your Dragon director, Crude's director, yes. previously World Dreamworks.
1: I will always support Chris Sanders and what he does. I, Wild Robot. Definitely excited to see that.
0: Awesome. And then finally, uh there's an untitled Wallace and Gromit film from Ardman Productions. Of course, uh yeah, I mean, they didn't get it for Chicken Run 2, but it's a good chance very, the Academy loves Stop motion. Yes, I'm the very excited
1: do. to see Wallace and Gromit, you know, come back. I really hope that they don't butcher this one. I really don't.
0: I, I think I know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, unfor- yeah, they don't have any competition for in the live action department this year no. since Laika's Wildwood is getting pushed back to 2025. Yeah,
1: I did hear about that. I was really excited to see Wildwood, but now they yeah. got pushed well, back. Perfection takes time, so. yeah. Awesome. Uh, Yeah,
0: that's everything that's on the calendar right now. Uh, Not everything, but a lot of the stuff. So we'll we'll keep an eye on it for the year. Yes. And if we have another great deal for animation, we'll maybe have you on the next 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 season as well to talk about more animation.
1: Absolutely, I can't wait for it.
0: Awesome. Well, Pencil, it's been great having you. Uh, talk for two hours about animated films, one of my favorite things to do. Yes. Um, I'm sure sorry if you I, it, to sorry if I well. talked your head off, to be honest. I <laughs> talked your head off as well. It's all good. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, where can people find you? I know you're you're kind of doing your own animated thing. Uh, you have social media stuff. You have Leatherbox. Tell us where we can find your artwork and also uh, where we can find your Leatherbox.
1: Yes. Um, my uh, Instagram is at mr.pencilhead, is all lowercase, um, I do have a Twitter now, but I don't really use it as well. I just used it, but, uh, or X. I, I it's Twitter. It's, it's, it's Twitter. Twitter. So it's, it's pretty much, you know, at Mr. Uh, underscore pencil head. And then now my letterbox, I can go to it. It's pretty much my name. Uh, Jonathan Monden. um, yeah, so basically, if if you can put a link into there, you know my yep. letterbox. I'll I will send have a link, a link to, to you. All yeah. of stuff. but Hello. I do have a letterbox, guys. If you want to see my reviews, especially the John Wick ones, I, I am very passionate with those. Those those were the most the funny. Fans. I was very proud of writing. You know that entire series of just watching it for three days straight. So
0: hey, we have one. Yeah. we have. Ballou, we have Ballou in the coming. Yes, out. it is yeah, coming yeah.
1: out this year. I, I can't wait to see it awesome sounds
0: good yeah um yeah definitely give a give john johnny give a pencil a follow on social media and you know thanks again once thanks again for coming on thank you awesome have a good one you too man Thanks again to Pencilhead, a.k.a. Zani, for hopping onto the podcast. I am going to link to all of his socials in the show notes. Uh, definitely give him a follow, as he said, on Letterboxd and on Instagram. Um, Just a little bit of housekeeping, you know, I'm actually going to be traveling for work next week. Um, I'm going to do my best. The plan for next week is I'm going to try to finish watching uh, the international films I have not yet watched and all of the documentary films um, between now and Sunday. I I fly out on Monday um, and try to do an episode on Sunday before I leave um, and schedule it to release sometime middle of next week. Um, at the very worst case, you know, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll watch stuff while I'm, you know, on my trip and then record, uh, on Friday, uh, when I get back, um, so that, you know, I can have an episode before the end of next week. Uh, in any case, next week, I'm also going to be launching, uh, my nominations prediction contest. Um, you know, give you maybe like a week and a half or so to try to put together all your predictions for who's going to uh, end up winning the, uh, who's going to end up winning each contest. Um, as always, it's going to be, you know, uh, most, most predictions win. Uh, and then the um, uh, and then the, uh, the the person who submits earliest uh, wins the tiebreaker. So yeah, uh, that wraps up this episode of the Oscars Death Race podcast. Let me know how your death race is going via Twitter at OscarsDeraceCast or via email at Podcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your podcast service of choice, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. If you can leave a review there or even just share it with a friend who loves movies, any of that is super helpful. Uh, those will be linked in the show notes alongside my Letterboxd account under the username NinjaBoy, Boy with an I. Be sure to check out Oscar Race at OscarsDeathRace subreddits and the Academy of Death Racers Discord as well as AODR.net. Um, OscarsDeathRace.com and DeathRaceTracking.com uh, Music is from Kevin MacLeod in Editing production by Ninsboy Media That's it for this week this has been Paulo of the Oscars Death Race podcast Until next time I'll be here trying to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies or die trying <laughs>